0: Hi, this is Adam Corolla. I want to thank you for supporting this podcast on the Corolla Digital Network. Everyone here at Corolla Digital is very proud of the shows that we put out every week and are excited about the future of our network. However, a patent troll is threatening that future by suing us. We need to fight back and beat the troll down. If we go down, all the other shows on the other networks you've grown to love are going to go down next. Visit fundanything.com forward slash patent troll to donate and find out other ways that you can help beat the patent trolls. Thank you and mahalo. This is Corolla Digital.
1: Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. I would like to welcome a new sponsor to the show, PetFlow.com. PetFlow.com is the most convenient place on the web to buy pet food with free shipping and scheduled auto delivery. No more trips to the store. PetFlow.com features more than 100 health conscious pet supply brands for customers to choose from. If you're Tired of always forgetting to pick up your pet's food or adding that 30 pound bag to your shopping cart. If you hate lugging that huge bag of food on your back or making a special trip out of the house for your pet's food, go to www.petflow.com and type in the promo code BESTFRIEND and start saving time and money today. They offer you a very convenient way to schedule your pet's food and have it shipped free right to your door. Make sure to visit Petflow.com and use the promo code BESTFRIEND every day because they do daily doorbusters with prices as low as a penny. Give Petflow.com a try today and get 20% off your pet's favorite food and more. Once again, that is Petflow.com and use the promo code BESTFRIEND to start saving time and money. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I'm sitting here with Jonah Ray. It's very exciting to be sitting with another podcast professional.
2: Oh, am I on? Mm-hmm. Sorry. No. Oh, yeah. I'm not that much of a professional.
1: But you kind of are.
2: Well, I've been doing it a while, but you also... seem
1: to have a comfort in front of the mic.
2: Sure. Well, I've been doing stand-up for a while, and before that, I was in bands. So it's—I've had a long career in shitty entertainment.
1: What did you do in bands?
2: I played the drums. So I guess I wasn't really in front of a mic.
1: So you could be like in the Eagles. I mean, that, you could be, or the band, right? That's There's, or
2: Phil Collins, also another uh, drummer singer.
1: Did Geddy Lee ever? Not Geddy Lee. Did Neil Pert ever sing?
2: Did Neil Pert ever sing? Can we get a? Can we get a twenty on Neil Pert singing? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then also, I well, feel like he didn't. Uh, Dave Grohl sang backups, right? Uh, and then uh, on the song "Marigold," which is on the uh, you know one of the B sides for "In Utero," sang a sang a very good song on that. Uh, with Nirvana.
1: See, I was in a band as well. No shit. And at the beginning, I was the drummer. And then I told everyone that I was moving because I thought I was. And so they replaced me, which I feel like was a the smart move regardless. Because yeah. I I don't really have the um, upper body strength to play a whole set. But I'm really <laughs> good for like eight minutes or something. But that's not
2: true. Long, longer minute, than a, that. An eight-minute drum solo. <laughs> yes. I'm good for an eight-minute. That's, that's why they were fine with you leaving. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But so anyway, I came came back from my like two days up to where I was going to move when I decided I'm not moving there. And then I became the guitar player. But I always thought that was a better move because there's so much less shit to lug around.
2: Oh, shit. You can't. The amount of stuff you have to have as a drummer of just just it's a bunch of stuff. It's a bunch of organizing, constructing, deconstructing. I don't even
1: think I would know how
2: to do it all. You know what's funny? I just I just recently uh, started playing drums again. I got a I got a jam pad, as I've been calling it. What uh, is that? It's a, it's a I got a twenty four hour rehearsal lockout space.
1: Oh, I've been thinking I've been thinking that I need to find like a pay by the hour place to go.
2: You know what? If you want, it's a, we can talk after this. It's uh it's right in Glassell Park area, uh, which isn't too far away from where we are, Internet Land. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, it's uh you know it's 24 hours you can go whenever I have my kit set up there. There's I have friends that have their amps there and you know I have friends band like uh, you know uh, um, Man Man was in town and they were using it and you know I have a different friends like kind of using it when they need to. But it's it's it's, nice. it's a it's a nice thing to go and just be loud and it's uh to play drums is kind of a thing where you can get your aggression out because you're hitting stuff. You're, you know, like you're it's just, very
1: visceral. Yeah,
2: but you're also being creative at the same time. That's what's really cool about it. Is that you're sweating and you're really exerting a lot of energy, but you are thinking of beats and rhythms and you know breakdowns and stuff like that. Uh, what kind of bands were you in?
1: Um, I was in a girl punk band called the Angoras. You could just many- call it a punk band if you want. <laughs>
2: I'm not about to attack you. I know. For- no,
1: the reason I say that is because it was – well – our drummer was a guy, but the rest of us were were female. And well, yeah, still Bikini are. Kill
2: had male members. Yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah. But see, they would be called chick rock, basically. Um, can we turn the air on?
2: Sure. For the record, Neil Pert does sing. Oh. oh. Can we still turn the air on though?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And because like, I'm people sweating out been, these IPAs. People have been writing in to say. How come you don't just turn on the air at the beginning of the podcast, since I think almost the last six podcasts have had me asking (laughs) if someone could turn on the air? And I will explain that, which the answer is we should turn it on. But I think what happens is Adam is very fastidious about shutting off lights and shutting off everything. And we record the Adam Carolla show before we do my show. Mm -hmm. So I think... On the way out of the studio, he turns it off, and then we forget it because he doesn't—he f- doesn't realize someone else is in here.
2: Yeah, it's also the reason why we're starting later than we were because because uh, Adam was here. It, he was here with Turtle. Turtle was that's here. That's right. You know, Jerry don't, Ferrara. You, I've seen every episode of Entourage. Have you really? Oh yeah, you got to believe it. Me and my, its like that's why I love Ray Donovan so much because it's the new Entourage.
1: Have you? Okay, I haven't started the new season of Ray Donovan yet.
2: It's okay. It's the same shit. It's, you know, it's. Uh, am I allowed to swear? I'm sorry. No, yeah, yeah, No, I, I made a remember. face
1: because ugh, I, just re- I just had a flashback to last night in my mm. kitchen when um, Daniel, my husband, said that I w- he said that he's like, I would rather, oh, yeah, he would rather watch the rest of the Americans than watch Ray Donovan. He's just not that into it.
2: How dare he? Right. Exactly. It's Ray Donovan. And he's then, cool, calm, collected, and a killer.
1: And I said, Well, I like it. <laughs>
2: but it was in that weird sort of
1: like new newly married kind of like I know I'm starting a fight. Yeah, is <laughs> it is it
2: weird to know that that's going to be the start of the end of your relationship? Yeah. Is Ray Donovan? What
1: if that were? It's, yeah. It is a bad show, but you know, okay, Speaking of television, are you watching The Leftovers?
2: You know what? I haven't started yet. I'm doing that shitty thing that people do, where I'm I'm going to wait to see. I'm not. I don't. I'm not a binge watcher. I do binge uh, occasionally. I don't believe in it. I don't like that um, Amazon and uh, Netflix put everything uh, puts everything out at the same time. I think that ruins the community of a show. I think that you know, True Detective would everyone would have loved it, but it wouldn't have made such an impact on our impact on our culture if people weren't every week going, "What is this? Who is the was the yellow?" King, what's Carcosa, and I think that you know in, you know, with these shows where they put everything out at once, they have this thing where it's like people talk about it for a few weeks and then they're done as opposed to being able to talk about it for three months that's, that's, a, that's my stance on it but uh, well, it sounds
1: like that's a stance from a marketing standpoint.
2: No, no, no. I, it's, a, it's, a, it's the social uh, I standpoint for me. I, I like, you know, the Lost, you know, the, no matter how it ended, you can't deny that it brought a lot of people together because it's like, oh, you watch, what do you think is going to, and then the conversations start, and then you can talk about other things. I, I I like the social aspect of entertainment. I think it's really good. I think it's good for the shows. I think it's good for you know humanity for people to have this thing that they can talk about. You know, it's a, it's it's the closest uh, that a lot of us will get to talk about you know art. You know, it's like if I run into, uh, if I ever meet Steve Martin, I'm not going to be able to talk about art, but hopefully he'll watch a TV show that I can talk about. You know, it's the dumbed down version of those people you know, being able to talk about that stuff.
1: Maybe he'll talk about the Meltdown Show. Oh.
2: I don't think he would.
1: Which is about – so it will be airing the same week as this episode. This will come out on Monday and then the show premieres on Wednesday. Is that correct? Oh,
2: shit. Technically, it's Thursday. But yeah, it's Wednesday night. Wednesday night. At 1230 a.m. after At Midnight, which that night also me, the other host, uh, Kumail Nanjiani, um and uh the producer of the show uh emily the Gordon live one, yeah the live one and the show yeah
1: yes both kumail and emily have been on this show so oh, my listeners great. know of know them or know of them
2: those indoor kids know how to you know, <laughs> know <laughs> so you guys podcast. are you
1: guys are all going to be on at midnight we're all
2: gonna be on at midnight and then uh and then have Straight- you been on at midnight
1: uh yeah i did it um like a month or so ago It was
2: a blast right i had
1: so much fun yeah, yeah i'm um i'm like i'm waiting to go to come back
2: yeah yeah you know i'm like one of the hosts' best friends and I've only been on a handful of times. Right. You know?
1: What's up with that? Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, um but- No, I
1: know that I, I know that I will I know that they will have me back. I just don't know when, but I'm yeah, like, yeah, any yeah. day, any day now. And you heard you want her, me. Bart
2: Coleman. Get <laughs> on it.
1: <laughs> get on it.
2: Uh, and but- it's not
1: just because they treat you so well. I don't know if you do a lot of television. Well, you must do a lot of television. You have a TV show coming out. Sure. I found the way that you're treated at midnight and all the snacks. I mean, I'm not just going for the snacks, but a fuckload of snacks in a car. A.
2: Yeah, I actually don't, appre- I, I don't. I I say no to the car. I say no to the car. You I do? Yeah, I'll got. You know, i stop by when I, when I I don't like a guy driving me. I, I like do. It. I'm I enjoy fine with a guy Uber. driving me. I don't know if I like it. It just makes me What's feel awkward. What's not to like? Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I, I I want to feel self sufficient. I guess there, there's a, actually a, speaking of uh, Steve Martin, there's a really funny story about um, you know one week uh, him and his manager are getting ready to go to a show from steve's house and then uh, a car pulls him he's like well why is that car just waiting outside of my place and he's like that's our car it's gonna take us and he's like what this is cr- i don't want this this is crazy this is uh, this is too extravagant i don't want this we could drive ourselves we can go to the show ourselves and then uh he's like just go 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 it's fine it's fine you know, we don't have to worry about parking so they go and then the next week uh or the next night uh they're getting ready to go to a show and then uh Steve Martin goes Where's the where's the fucking car? <laughs> like that that's how fast you can get used to that kind of shit. And there's nothing wrong with the you know uh you know, relishing in the fact that you get to have someone come and pick you up and drive you around. But it's nothing I wanna ever count on.
1: Let's delve into that.
2: Is that what this is? In a moment it, where you, we
1: delve. We delve on this show. You better make it weird. <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I might ask a similar line of questioning as Pete, but I'm definitely not going to do that. But Feel first, free. let's talk about the fact that you said self-sufficient, and that made me think of uh, Blue Apron. You,
2: I love Blue Apron. You uh, know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, they are also a, a, an advertiser on the Nerdist podcast, which is a podcast I'm on. But they, what they do is so amazing that you know, like Matt Myra, one of the guys on the podcast is way into He's been telling me about it for a long time.
1: It's amazing whether you're super into cooking or whether you're, you feel like you don't even know how to cook. They make it so easy because they ship all the ingredients you need to make a delicious, healthy, impressive meal. And then they also give you the recipe like with, Pictures and totally broken down with the right amount, amount of so, ingredients. That's the best part. It's all pre-measured. It's you don't waste money or waste time at the grocery store being like, "Oh, I think I need chervil. What does that even come in? I'll just buy a lot. I don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? That thing that. I always do if I'm going to be cooking something, which is I don't want to not have enough, so I buy extra. They take all the guesswork out of it, um, and meals are between 500 and 700 calories per serving, which is way too low for how delicious they are. Uh, And like I said, step by step instructions with pictures. It's totally idiot proof. I mean, Matt can do it, right? Oh, yeah, Matt's the biggest dummy I know. I yeah. suspected He's you would a say real, that.
2: a real dummy.
1: You can make meals like buttermilk fried chicken sliders with pickles and cl- coleslaw. Oh! Heirloom tomato and Fontina grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah! A few of the many delicious things. You'll cook incredible meals and be blown away with the quality and freshness. It's fast, fresh, and affordable. So go to blueapron.com slash Allison and get your first two meals free. That's right. Two meals free for just going to blueapron.com slash Allison.
2: I highly recommend it.
1: I highly recommend it.
2: No, no, I do. We both do. Okay.
1: Okay. So, so much to delve into, but... Also with
2: you, I do want to know, have you talked about in length of being an, uh, drummer of a drummer and a guitar player in punk bands on this podcast?
1: I actually... Not as... I have talked about it before, not as much as people who get excited by it feel like I should. In fact, yeah. do you know Dave Damaschek?
2: No, I do not.
1: Okay. Listeners of this podcast know him. Uh, he's been on a bunch and he's a sports reporter and a local personality and a funny guy. But anyway, he's a, he's... A, Every time he sees me, he's like, "Why don't you play your music on the show? Why don't you use it more?" And I don't know why.
2: I I, I do. It's been
1: years. I would love.
2: Yeah, same with me. But you know, I still, you know, I still like sometimes make a song in Garage Band and you know show it to a couple friends or make a song for my mom for Mother's Day or something like that. I I I like it, and also that part of my life influences everything else I do. So that's why I'm always interested to talk about. Or talk to people about their punk rock backgrounds and being in bands and stuff like that. So I do. I'm sure the listeners would love to hear about the fact that you know they they, they like you as a as this as this personality as this host as a, someone that's very funny uh, and very charming. But I think it's something really interesting that you know that shows that creative people can do all kinds of different things. Like doing this right now doesn't necessarily stop you from making music anymore. You just right. don't. I just don't. Yeah.
1: But I do think, and this is something I've thought about before. I Think in a way. My sensibility was really forged in. I mean, I, I wasn't like in the punk scene, like had safety pins through my face and a mohawk. That, or neither anything did I. Like that. like
2: that. I don't think that has. Any, it's but it's that more of an aesthetic.
1: aesthetic yeah. Where you value authenticity and you're afraid to sell out and you're afraid to be perceived as a sellout mm-hmm. and things that are too like plastic and manufactured feel gross. Yeah. That is just it's, – it's just a way of seeing the world. Because I remember – so I, I was a print journalist for a long time. And I remember – and I wrote about music in, in addition to other things. But I remember writing about this record label that was putting out um, electronic music that was – they had these like sushi nights where people would make sushi and they'd listen to music. And it was all – it was like fashion rock. It was like stuff yeah. you'd listen to to set the mood and – it was just I felt like I was such a I was in such a foreign land and such a different way of looking at the world like they want to put on music that makes you feel a certain way and I was like I'm driving around listening to punk in my shitty Honda and maybe <laughs> I want that cuz that's like a commercial.
0: It was yeah. like such a
1: different sort of like I listen to music to listen to the music as opposed to I listen to music to um create a vibe
2: yes no i, I very much uh, i do agree and there, there there is that is the the bad side of punk that um, and you know we're using this term very kind of wide ranging and almost a, almost a, in a different way every time we're going to say yes. it, uh, which is you know something that's it's hard to explain to you know what I what I just refer to as squares, which I don't I don't mean that in a demeaning <laughs> way. I just oh, mean oh no, that, I'm
1: sure most people wouldn't take it that way. <laughs> yeah,
2: but like uh, you know when with, with punk it's that you the, the downside of it, and that even when we had uh, Dave Grohl on the Nerds podcast, it's like, I brought this up. It's a punk rock guilt. And he, you know, he thinks uh, punk rock guilt was a big part of Kurt getting really bummed out uh, where he's – That's interesting. And he, you know, he thinks it's like, um, he's, it's like the, the fear of success, the fear that you can't have these things and also make this music or you can't have these ideals and also do this. You know, I did a Bing commercial. I did a com- – and, and like, the way that I justified it to my little punk rock kid inside of me was that, well, um, Bill Gates gives a lot of money to the arts. And he's a really cool dude and he doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, See, Chinese funny, people jumping off of buildings for building Microsoft stuff.
1: It's funny that you even have to justify it. I, like, I are you the only one who felt that you had to or did you, did you, have, do you have fans who are like, what are you doing?
2: No, the fans, the fans that like, said anything about the Bing commercials were just like, really? Bing? <laughs> and then, you know, I would just be like, oh, you know, what, where do you work? I would always be. Where do you work? And they like, oh, I work for Ford. Ford, really? Like, you know, <laughs> it's just like McDonald's. Are you, are you kidding me? Like, no, it's it was a job I took that would uh would allow me to quit my job at the soup and not have to work every day and you know go and try and do more of the stuff I wanted to do. And you know, Henry Rollins did a did a car commercial. And you know, there's, it's a. I I didn't feel I had to justify. It was more for me the mm-hmm. justification of just being. It's like you know, it's like ah. It's it's that, and, and I'm sure I'm sure every day I give money to some evil company in some different way. I'm sure you know I, we all do. Yeah, we all do, and um, it's just and, and it's not about absolutes. It's about doing your best. It's about um, you know losing weight isn't about changing everything. It's just about being a little bit aware, and and the, the little bit of an awareness uh, will help you throughout your life. And that's kind of how I feel about you know like DIY ideals or punk ideals or something like that. And I think I think that uh, it did a lot for me. Uh, with everything else I do. Uh, but, you know, it is a weird thing where you start to kind of get older and you start to make money and then you start to want these other things and other music doesn't seem that bad. And then uh, what I realize is that, uh, you know, like even I'm reading the book uh, Our Band Could Be Your Life, which uh, really goes to show that Punk wasn't a sound. It wasn't a fashion. It was just kind of this idea that you can go and do something if you want to do it. Just go and do it yourself.
1: I mean, I, you see that everywhere now with the internet. In a way, that, yeah. you know that has really spread. Definitely. But I still feel like something has been lost. Like some sort of, some sort of, of. I think in terms of the maybe the well, I was going to say maybe that uh, the val- valuing of authenticity is lost, but not really because. The podcasts that are popular, it's because people are responding to someone being open and being honest. And yes. I, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I'm the only one who values that because we all value that. Yeah. So maybe maybe something hasn't been lost.
2: No, it's just it, it changes forms. It changes names. It sounds different. Um, you know, the kids that are, you know, when I'm sure when, you know, for a bit, dubstep was probably the punkest thing going on right now. <laughs> you know, like at the time when it first started, because it was just it was, you know, I remember hearing it and being confused it made me feel old and i was like oh well then there you go
1: now has your relationship with music changed a lot cuz mine has and before the show started i was asking if you like thermals who yeah. are one of my favorite bands I so love when the people thermals. ask me who my favorite bands are i list the bands that were my favorite bands like 10 years ago like that's how much my i i do not keep up with music near it, enough like i wish i did i just i don't know if it's I don't know if it's because I moved to New York and I used to always listen to music in my car and I didn't have a car in New York or if I just got older or I just stopped going to shows. As
2: it's a much, lot of that. It's, or, all it's a little yeah. – every one of those things is a little bit of a factor. Uh, you know, The reason I'm able to keep up as much as I do is because I, I, I joined this thing called RDO, which is kind of like a Spotify but with better business practices. You know, They're very more they're a lot more transparent of how the money goes to the labels and the bands. Uh, well, Spotify, are they a sponsor on any of the, okay. Spotify is just another, it's another version of file If I had said
1: yes, what would you? You I would
2: have said, I would have said I opt out. (laughs) Uh, But RDO, I think is, uh, and I, you know, I think it's, uh, it's better. They have better business practices. They're more transparent and it's, uh, they show you how they're trying their best to get this money that you're paying for the service to go to the band's. Well, Spotify uses uh, back-end um, file sharing streaming to just not pay bands or anything like mm-hmm. that. It, it's fine. It, whatever gets people into music, I'm fine with. Uh, but it's it, it's one of those things where if it wasn't for audio, it would be harder for me to figure it out. I, you know, every Tuesday I go on and I click on new releases and I just kind of start going through it. And it's nice when when you're you know it's like I'm sure you work at a desk most of the day, right? When you're not in here
1: um at my desk at home
2: yeah exactly and you you just you need something in the background and you just kind of start going through the you know and you start to you know, you you see one of these bands and it says related bands. That's a, that's the cool thing about the the algorithms are getting better. Uh, they weren't too good before, but you know it gets tough. It gets tough because it's, it gets overwhelming, and also because of the internet. Everyone says there's too many bands now, but that's just because you're aware of how many bands there are. You know, there's always been this many bands. Right. There's always been this many scenes. There's always been this, these many kids playing music and starting their own bands and labels and scenes and going on and on. Uh, it, and it, but it doesn't take away from you know how. Every once in a while, some song will hit you, and you'll be like, "This is this is it. This I love this." You know, uh, when I heard this band Yuck, I was just like, "Yes!" And now um, this band, this you know, probably one of my favorite albums of the year. This band Pause P uh, A W S with an album called Youth Culture Forever. I disagree because I think millennials uh, eat a dick. But uh, <laughs> do you really? Uh, no. But I mean, I, I should because I'm not a part of their scene, and I I I think kids suck. I think they're doing it wrong. They stage dive feet first. They're idiots. They you know they they. they but no one ever told them no. Uh, you know it's a uh, because you know Generation X. Uh, didn't want to be like their sellout, you know, baby boomer parents. And they just is it like, it's like my parents got divorced, told me no all the time. We're not ever going to split up and we're going to have a horrible marriage and tell our kid yes as much as we can. And then you got the millennials who are just these kids. Entitled. That, yeah, they're entitled. And, you know, what's going to happen is that like some kid that didn't might have not had the confidence in another situation might make something brand new and blow us all away and become the next Michael Jackson musically. And uh, it, that could happen. But, you know, as for the most part, when I come across like a younger kid, I am full of hate.
1: But is that – is there really something special and odious about millennials or is that just what every generation thinks of the one coming up?
2: That's what it is. It's a, it's it's a, ladder. a ladder. Yeah, okay. it's a ladder. It's a – you know, there's younger comics coming up. I was just having this conversation uh, with my friend Neil, who... Uh, oh, great.
1: Bring in the unoriginal stuff. Thank you.
2: Yeah, No, no. no. We were just talking about this. I'm trying to make it like... I'm trying to make this no, a smooth transition was, from real kidding. life into real conversation. I know you I were. do that all the time. Yeah.
1: I, I mentioned that I was having part of the conversation elsewhere.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's also like a good stand-up tool to take up some time. It's like, you know, the other day. Uh, earlier today, you ever get those guys? Uh, yeah, you been to Target? I been. I was in Target day. You guys have been to Target? That's like a nice time waster of a stand up move. Uh, I was at the DMV. You guys ever been to the DMV? Yes. Every fucking one's Everyone been to the has. DMV. I was at my parents' place. You guys ever been to your parents' place? Yes. Everyone's <laughs> been to their fucking parents' place. Um, anyway, uh, I was talking to uh, Neil about how. It's uh there's a lot of there's a lot of times um you know, when you're when you're a comic or you're uh doing anything in the art, you know, the creative field. Uh I try so hard not to say the arts because it sounds pretentious.
1: Sounds highfalutin.
2: Yeah. But uh in anything you do creative, you know, you you're always focusing on your shit and you're always focusing on the people around you and the people in front of you. And then you know, I'm oh, like 11 years in now. Yeah, 11 years in, 12 years in to doing stand up. And you know, I'm just, I feel just like a kid still. I'm just still, I'm still a kid because I've just been focusing and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. It's like, I'm still, you know, I'm still not as good as the guys that I saw in front of me when I started. I am still pretty much at the same level as the people around me. It's when they started, save for a few BJ Novak's, you know? Um, But, you know, at the same time, you you don't feel, because you never, and then all of a sudden a kid comes up to you and, or not even kid, it's just like a Another human being comes up to you, another comic and goes say, Oh man, your web series when me and my friends were in middle school, we used to and I'd just be like, What? But you're an adult. You're an adult talking to me with words and you're walking around on your own. How could you have been in middle school that thing I did a few years ago? And you know, in all actuality it was seven years ago. So if the kid was, you know, you know, seventeen, he's mathy years old now. And it's uh it's just like it's like you can't. You want to get angry at them because they just show you that you're going to die one day. Yeah, and I've never
1: felt more impermanent than right this minute. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. And you want to be like, no, we're just you and me are the same. And they're like, no, no, I got way right. more, way more years than you, and I got all the knowledge that you yeah. had. Now I, have, I have all the knowledge you have now, and I am ten years. But younger. they
1: don't. That's the thing.
2: No, nah, they might not hold on to it. And I didn't either. When you know, before right before I started doing stand-up, I ran to Brian Possein. at a uh, it was I went to a show at the. Um, at the Improv, and I was like, I was like, I want to do stand up. I want to do stand up. And I went to the show by myself, and I was watching. And it was, you know, like uh, Mitch Hedberg was on that night, and I was like, Oh my wow. god, Mitch Hedberg! And uh, and then Brian Posehn, I was like, Brian Posehn was on Mr. Show, so I was just like, Oh shit, this guy's on Mr. Show. He's on Just Shoot Me. And then uh, he was walking around in uh you put
1: in, mr show and just shoot me in the same category well no just
2: because he was on tv he was this, gotcha. you know, it's also you know uh just shoot me i'm not putting them together at all as far as uh you know brilliance we all know just shoot me is a way far superior show
1: it's groundbreaking
2: yeah it really is it's about a magazine um, had the, had
1: <laughs> what was that, it called? blush
2: yeah i think it was called blush had that lady from dream on you want
1: to put Wendy Malik?
2: Yeah. Is it Malik or Malik?
1: It's probably Malik.
2: Yeah, it's probably Malik. Yeah. Yeah. Her and her brother to make Terrence. It fancy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> but uh, it's like, you know, I went up to him and I uh, I was like, Hey, I know you probably got a lot of tall, nerdy guys coming up to you saying they're really big fans, but I'm a huge fan of yours. I really like your stand up and your writing. And he's like, Oh wow. And he talked to me like for forty five minutes. He had no reason to do that. You know, his friends were at the bar wanting him to come and hang out. He's just giving me advice and I didn't take in any of it.
1: Because you were so in awe of him. I was in
2: awe of him. And I'm not to say that, you know, anything I say to a kid, they're in awe of me, but like, it's like you just don't think about it when you're a kid. You don't, you know, you're like, nah, well, that's your thing. I got my own thing going on. Someone's going to find me. I'm going to walk out of a bathroom. Someone's going to point at me and go, you got it, kid.
1: When I was younger, if anyone ever explained that when you're young, there's just certain things you don't know. Like that was just like, I hear the words, but they don't make sense to me. Maybe they apply to other young people, but not me. I am wise beyond my years. Like, I just think that thing of not being old enough to fully understand what you will understand when you're older, you, you, you can, that's like the kind of thing that you can only see in hindsight.
2: Yes, exactly. At least
1: that was my experience.
2: Yeah. 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 No, definitely. It's just, uh, you know, there's really no way around it. You just have to go through it yourself, and it's, uh, it's
1: and get a, knocked around. Yeah, yet. yeah,
2: yeah. Have to, and it has to it has to be a bummer, and it has to be shitty, and it has to. But you have to kind of take the little victories on your own, and you know, well, what else is there? Who gives a shit? We're all gonna die. Well,
1: that's super uplifting.
2: It is. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, if, it yeah. can be actually. If everything means nothing, then nothing's all we got. So who gives a shit?
1: You know who has. A really good philosophical existentialist outlook on all of absurdist outlook on all of this is TJ Miller. I was going
2: to say Duncan Trussell, and I yes. was close. Du-
1: <laughs> Duncan Trussell, I find his podcast and just him and Pete Holmes when they're together so inspiring.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, they kind of get a, a, ethereal and they go off the other to the other planes and of existence. Right. Uh yeah. TJ's got a really good uh, thing. He's kind of uh, almost continuing that idea that. Um, Zach Galifianakis had in the um, in the original uh, Community comedy, where, where he kind of there was that moment. I think it was in Portland or Seattle or something. They had a show, and he, and he was kind of doing this. He's like, "What? If, what if this is all just kind of a like a joke? What if this wasn't really real?" And then he, you saw him just start to play piano while people were just kind of walking by, and he's not really. It's uh, and TJ's, I think, kind of pushing that idea further of uh, oh, if th- this is all so silly, you know, the whole life's a stage. idea of um, you know comedy doesn't have to exist in any one place it doesn't have to be for tv or movies or podcast or you know records or anything like that it could just be a thing that happens and you know todd glass does a lot of that uh too where he just he creates comedic things for just the people that are there and uh uh, that's that's you know that's that's really admirable uh uh, you know tj and zach are the ones that figured out how to make money off of it though
1: (laughs) so tell me about meltdown show
2: uh, the Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail or the, – like the TV show or the uh, – the, Is there uh...
1: anything actually called The Meltdown Show or am I just butchering the name? No,
2: no. At Meltdown underscore show is our Twitter handle. Oh, yeah, great.
1: You tell me about your Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about the Twitter feed. <laughs> what kind of stuff do you tweet? No, Emily
2: V. Tell- Gordon the, at the Gino-mite. Yeah. Uh No, she um... – No,
1: tell me about well, the TV show but also the history of it.
2: Okay, so um, currently – so I guess this this Wednesday night I have a show premiering called The Meltdown with Jonah kumel I'm Jonah and my friend Kumel Nanjiani, who you've recognized from every piece of uh, uh, photographed media in the past uh, few years, is also on Silicon Valley and Franklin and Bash, uh, which I think Franklin and Bash is the thing he's most proud of. Uh, and along with his, uh, along with his uh, darling wife, Emily V. Gordon, uh, who the two of them have their own podcast called The, the Indoor Kids. They, uh, them and me, we have a TV show coming up and it's, uh, it's, uh, eight episodes on Comedy Central and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's what happens at the show we do every week in the back room of a comic book store. Now this show, we've been doing it for about four years now. I was doing it monthly for years before that. And it was, uh, it was just cause, uh, I had fun doing it and I love the owner Gaston and I love the people there. And I, um, I, I just enjoyed just kind of having this monthly show. And I remember when I first started doing it, I was like, Oh, well, I'll do a monthly show and then I'll, every month I'll have a new set. And then, you know, I was working on, I was writing on shows and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden I would be like, oh, I booked the show, but I didn't think of anything new. And so it became a real kind of like riff thing. But the audience was always there every week. So they kind of enjoyed that looseness. And then I I always tried to think about how to turn it into a weekly show. But,
1: and you have, you have like how many comedians? I would always have about four. uh Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it was always with my friend Ed Salazar, uh, who, it was great, and you know he was kind of help me run the show and we get into arguments and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun and um and I wanted to make it weekly because you know monthly shows you have to kind of re you have to reintroduce it to everybody every month. It's just like here we are here we go again, this is a show here, then this many monies and all that stuff
1: that's interesting, yeah,
2: and you know there's kids it's any advice to anyone starting a comedy show, which they should if you're comics, just start your own show, find a place and start your own show, um you know when when you do it you have to do it monthly which is the easiest um, for just like time wise but the way to get the show going it has to be weekly some kids do it
1: you mean the way to get a uh, audience coming yeah
2: exactly everyone was just like oh we're going to start doing it biweekly I was like no don't do it every two weeks cuz then no one ever knows when the night is is it this week or is it ne- was it was last week <laughs> is it next week you know it's always, there's always that so do it pick a night do it every week, much like a podcast, and yeah, you know, same advice to the podcast. Just make it regular for uh, right out of the gate, which is something I don't do on my other, my own podcast, Jonah Radio. It's like I just we we, uh, we just take weeks off at a time because we don't care. But I um, think that comes through. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, the sound, <laughs> the, the people on it. Um, but. Um, you know just have it be weekly and i was like it's like you know if you if it's weekly then it's almost a bit easier because people just know to count on it and then other comics that might happen to be in town will just know to show up because they know the show's going on but i didn't want i didn't have the time i was writing on shows and i you know i was very busy
1: yeah it sounds daunting to make that decision yeah. to do it every week
2: booking and then you know like working with everything and and promoting and all that stuff it all lies on you and it's you know it's it's worth it's work worth doing but it's 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 a lot of it and so, you know, Kumel and Emily had just moved to town and me and my wife, De- or at the time girlfriend, my wife now, De- and we we're all having dinner and they're like, oh, we got to go. We're going to check out this place, uh, see if we can do like a weekly comedy show. I was like, where are you going? They said, St. Nick's Bar. I said, fuck that place. People have tried. They have failed. It doesn't work. And they're like, well, we were trying to figure out a place. I was like, you know what? I have a place. I've been wanting to do it weekly. What if we all did it together? And then there was like this idea of like… Do do I host one week and Kumel hosts the other week, or do I do one half of the show and he does the other half of the show? And then uh, Emily is just like, "Why don't you guys just do it together?" M- solidifying her place as the uh, ego massager. Uh, <laughs> is that her role? Pretty much. I mean, like she <laughs> and she does all the work. She books it and she you know helps promote wow. it. Um, she is the 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 biggest reason that is a success. Uh, um, but it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like you know she was like, we'll "Just we'll do it this way," and you know so we started doing that. And we started really and. From the time of, like, you know, I did the last show, the monthly show, just my show, Jonah, Jonah Ray's Meltdown. And I was like, I was like, hey, everyone who's been coming to this monthly show, thank you so much. We This Wednesday, it was like a Friday night. I always had it on Friday nights because it was like it would turn into a party. I was like, this next Wednesday, we're starting to do this show weekly. Please come. I, I really appreciate your support. And I know you're all neighborhood people. Please come. And, and, like, the first show was just packed. And then it just remained packed. and then And then, you know, people – like, you know, took note and started writing about it. And it kind of had buzz from the get go because of the audience that supported it and was already there. And that that was a big that was a big part of it. We, and that's why when we did the TV show, we wanted to make it as much like the show as possible. And then the only way to really do that was to just shoot the show.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that's how. although that makes sense. That's yeah. how you how you do it. So it's just the that's show. That's not how a
2: lot of people do it. A lot of people like you know like there's places will be like we'll set up like it's like a comic book store on a sound stage, and then we'll you know do this, and then we'll set up these moments. We just figured you know we got uh, uh, Mike Rosenstein who works at Red Hour, the Ben Sellers company, and he told me he's, he's like yeah you guys are right. It should just be the show. And then we got Lance Bangs, who's this guy that's you know legendary, and mm-hmm. like I've known this guy before I even started doing comedy. He's just he's this legendary guy. Uh, he's been a part of Jackass and he's, you know, he's shot neutral milk hotel shows. He did a slint documentary. He's, you know, he's done all these amazing things and, and he's you know, doing a bunch of stuff in comedy. And we're like, yes, he should capture the show because that's all we wanted to do is we wanted to capture the show in every aspect. So the stuff that happens offstage in the back, people hanging out. Mark Maron not wanting to go first, and then of course immediately going, yeah, I'll go first. You know, just all the you know, uh, Pete Holmes uh, taking too much time on stage. (laughs) You know, all these people just interacting, and then you go on stage and you see so it's like it's almost like we wanted to make it indicative of what a show actually going to a show would be like, which is you know we don't think anyone's really ever uh, successfully done. You know, because no, I've never watched a comedy show in real life and hovered above the crowd from one side of the room to the next and then turned around to see what a stranger was laughing at. Mm -hmm. These are the things that happen in televised stand-up and we wanted to try and make it seem uh, a bit more authentic.
1: So once you started filming them, did they come to every show?
2: Yeah, the audience. <laughs> that uh, was
1: confusing. What I let me, let me rephrase. Did you just start filming every show, or did you only film certain ones? Or? Oh no! So
2: basically, we t- we uh, we lined up who we wanted on the shows, and um and we ended up to you know then it turned into an actual production situation where we uh, we wanted to you know get the best we could and really nail it, and then we um we we booked the shows and we did two shows a night, but it was still on Wednesdays, the same night we do the show. And it was still like we gave dibs to our regulars, all the people that come to the show. Uh, we gave dibs to, and they got to sit in the front just like they always do. They got their spots, and they came to both tapings of the night. We gave them pizza. You know, we we, we treat them good. Yeah, it's real
1: Oprah shit there. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Look under your seat—a <laughs> day-old pizza. pizza. <laughs> it's it's a pizza. It's a personal pan pizza from the Booker Club. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's uh, you know they came and we did it four Wednesdays in a row. We got eight episodes and 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 now they're done. And then they, I think they're great. I think they're really cool. If anything, it's just a it's a document of what we've been doing. What we're gonna and what we're gonna continue to do. And a lot of the the way I wanted to do it and the way I I've uh, you know kept uh, forward is a lot of it is all based on that what we were talking about earlier with the kind of you know punk rock ideals.
1: You know what, Jonah? You sound really,
2: really busy. I am really busy. I just I wish I wasn't so busy or had it something just, to help me.
1: Well, the thing is, it just sounds like you're so busy that uh, I wonder if from time to time you forget to pick up your pet's food. Oh, and my if, God. It, yeah, and all it, the time. When it pops into your head, you're like, ah, oh, it's so late. I don't want to go out. But of course I have to feed my
2: dog. Yeah, I don't want to drive all the way to the Glendale Petco just to go get some food for my stupid fat dog that fills the room with farts. I just wish there was a better way.
1: There is. It's Pet Flow. (gasps) You are so good. Have you taken.
2: Ecstasy? Yes, I have.
1: (laughs) Uh, no, no, PetFlow is is a company where you can schedule delivery of your pet's favorite food, or even your pet's not favorite food. But I would recommend <laughs> who's, getting it. Who's to really yeah, say? I mean, it's up to you, but yeah. they have all kinds of food, so you can really choose. Uh, and then it comes right to your door, and you can save time, and you can save money. And they have stuff for dogs and cats, and they have treats, toys, feeders, leashes, beds, and more uh, and the food that we mentioned before. And they have special door busters. Daily door buster sales. Daily door busters.
2: Sorry. They're going to tr- probably drop in something like that.
0: Daily door busters. Thank you so much for saving me that time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He was going to have to go clip it out of another podcast. Uh, As cheap as a penny. And if you give PetFlow.com a try today, you get 20% off your pet's favorite food if you use the promo code BESTFRIEND. They have over 100 health-conscious pet supply brands. They have the type that Oliver eats. That's my dog. And it's um, blue buffalo, chicken, and sweet potato. And I've said it before. But it smells – like I come from a a time when dog food smelled like dog food. But this Mm. smells like – like sweet yam french fries or something have you tried it not yet but any day now <laughs> so uh give petflow.com a try today again get 20 percent off your pet's favorite food and use a promo code best friend to help support the show and our advertisers okay so how did you
2: daily door what i
1: wanted to say but i didn't want to say it in the middle of that was that reminded me of um American-made Stratocasters, which is the Guitar oh, yeah. Center ad. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: They, what else you, did, did they Did you hear Guitar say? Center might be having a sale soon?
1: Really? <laughs> yeah, it turns out. Yeah, I know. Finally. I've been
2: waiting for it.
1: It's been forever since I've been in a store like that. But I used to always – those stores always reminded me of car dealerships because you'd go in and you would ask, like, oh, how much is that guitar? And they'd be like, that's 2000 or something. And you're like, oh. And they're like, "You think that one's expensive. We have one for 14000 over there. Yeah. And they'd be like, but maybe this one's more your speed. And would be like a $100 one. And then you'd, you'd end up talking them into why – or at least I did because I got manipulated fairly easily. Like you'd end up – Talking them into why the two thousand dollar guitar is really the one that you, you know what I mean like yeah. they, they have so many tactics
2: they do and it's uh I imagine you probably had to deal with that as a a, a female in a guitar place, which is just yes. like you said it's like a car dealership. they just assume you don 't know shit it's like, oh here which comes another is- girl, let's right. see if – get the Gretches out you Ash, know let 's get those Ash, slater Kenny King- yeah no they 're great guitars <laughs> okay they're great guitars, and you know I saw Slater Kenny using them, you know it's just uh, but like, it's like, you know, it's one of those things where those guys is like, oh yeah, what do you know? Right. Well, you know, you know, just another girl band. Here we go. Every time they hit the bass drum, they're going to hit the hi-hat, you know, that's yeah. a, that's what that's one of the things I heard a guy say once. Really? Girl drummers, every time they hit the bass drum, they have to hit the hi-hat. That's
1: it's what, interesting. Although I feel like I did at one point learn, not the hi-hat, but I learned every time you hit a cymbal, hit the bass drum.
2: You don't have to do tat do do tat you don't want to do uh you don't want to use your right hand every time
1: yeah i like to think that I, I i don't think i i don't think i did do it every
2: time i don't think you did either you seem to have a good mind about it. what did your band sound like we've gone too far uh, we've gone too far into me and my shit i want to know about you
1: we how would i describe us it was pop punk but not in the blink 182 way i mean it was like
2: what year is this we can break this it down. This
1: was late '90s. Late
2: '90s. Do so you
1: have any of the any of my stuff still? Because at one point we played it. I probably
2: do. Hold on. Is okay, this like we'll a, be able to
1: pull some of it up, perhaps. Is
2: this? A, it's like so. We're talking like Screeching Weasel. Are we talking the Queers. Are we talking Ramones. Are we talking D- uh,
1: more? Ram-
2: not Squirt as- gun, Are We talking No Effects. Are we talking.
1: We're talking like X meets Go Go's.
2: That sounds awesome.
1: Maybe I've oversold
2: it. Yeah, I think you just did. <laughs> Two of the most successful California bands. We got we got the combination of that.
1: What did you guys sound like?
2: Oh, I had a ton of bands. I was in a band, um, you know, that tried to sound like a mix between I don't, the bands that no one really knows, but they, they were important to us. I was in a band called Quarterhead, where we tried to sound like Captain Beefheart. Uh, Tom Waits and uh, the Yamos, which were a band that ended up becoming Chick Chick Chick. Or we, uh, I was in another band called The you Out. So now The you so we tried to be like, you know, now um, yeah, we also tried to sound like the Yamos. Uh, there was a, I, was, I was in like a crazy straight edge, hardcore thrash band that tried to sound like this band called Botch from Seattle. Uh, or uh, there was moments that we tried to sound like Avail. Uh, and, you know, these bands that no one, a lot of, you know, that's the weird thing about it, is that these these are bands that mean the world to me, but mostly everybody will never know, and that's what uh, is the the best futility of realizing all oh, the stuff we do. We're just trying to figure out little hifdoms. right? You know, it's very
1: like, very niche.
2: Yeah, and then it's it's a, that's what I think. Uh, you know, comedy and entertainment is finally realizing is that it's like oh, we can exist like this, even though I've you know all my life growing up was all about that.
1: Um. I, d- I definitely feel as if I oversold my band. Sorry, I didn't react to what you said. I just got stuck on the, like, Axe Meets Go-Go's would sound so amazing. And we definitely did not sound like that. I feel like yeah. we were inspired by that. But plus, like, our singer and our drummer were very into The Damned.
2: Oh, nice. Um, nee, so nee, that nee. kind of
1: stuff. So which song do you have? Do you know?
0: I've got seven here.
1: Oh. Um, uh, Maybe play... um. A little bit of I Never or a little bit of sick dance.
2: Is this when you're playing guitar or you're drumming?
1: This is when I was playing guitar. Okay. Or a little bit of steak knife. What year is this? This was like ninety seven or nice. ninety eight.
2: It's pretty good recording.
1: Thanks. I didn't do it myself last So a little surf, too.
2: Yeah, this actually sounds like it could be on the Repo Man soundtrack. (laughs) This is really good. Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) You know how to take a compliment that I want to take back. Oh, no, thanks. That's so weird that you say that.
1: that makes you want to take it back?
2: Yeah, just the... I, I, I have a weird thing with confidence.
1: Well, how do you take a compliment?
2: Oh, shut up. You're wrong.
1: Oh. This old... Well, but see, but in a band, it's like there were four of us, so it's not really a compliment for me, you know? Okay, let's... I feel like we're good. Um, And then I'll play you just a little bit of our, like... Our pop hit, which is not really a pop hit, but yeah. it was the one the, the sing, sing-alongiest one that I had. I had nothing to do with writing of this one. We're about to hear. Steak knife.
2: What? Uh, what, uh, what area you guys from? Orange County. Okay, and you were playing this music, and none of you, none of you, had a creepy Rodney Bingenheimer try and uh, make moves, or no. did, uh, he didn't try to play you guys or anything like that because he was obsessed with. It's, it's like, every time it's like, yeah, there's a brand new band here. And it's always like, the Donna, they sound like the Donnas.
1: That's funny that you say that. This magazine asked us to interview the Donnas, so we, we interviewed them at one point. It was like, there wasn't really a rivalry or anything, but I feel like they're... Was this attempt at making? Well, they it
2: were trying to. They were doing like there was that, you know the guy kind of and then there was like you know they were doing like Ramones and then they got like Wayne to kiss and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, we never had Rodney's Rodney up yeah. our butt. What bands?
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's a real weirdo. That one, I've seen I've, him. I see him at Canter's sometimes, and he's just like with like clearly a couple girls that are in a band, and like he's just like you know, I'm
1: surprised like, he's still around.
2: You know, they keep the K Rock has made his show from one fifty nine to two oh one a m. I think that's his new time slot. He has time to play what? I guess, like,
1: I, I, guess I keep missing it. Yeah, then.
2: one side of a seven-inch. I think. Uh, so ninety-seven Orange County. Let's see what's going on in, in that area. You know, the adolescent's already gone. Maybe it
1: was like ninety-eight into nine. So I moved back there in ninety-seven. Uh, end of ninety-seven. So you playing
2: Coos Cafe? Yes. Okay, and you 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 know like the four-letter words. They were a band yes. around that time. Or yes. Like or Some of maybe the San Pedro Risas Records bands. Yeah, or, a lot
1: of other Costa Mesa bands. Okay. Um, do you know Smile? Yes. So I was good friends with them. Okay. And Michael Roses has been on my show. And then he was recently on Joe DeRosa's show. And that was crazy to me that that it's like this very small world. To Joe make. DeRosa
2: is a, a, like a great comic. Great comic. And then we, we had our half hours on the same uh, season. Uh, but like we just, he moved out here. And I was like, it was like comedy punk rock, buddy? You know, it's just uh, it's one of those things that when I thought when I started doing stand up, I was like, everyone's going to be into Screeching Weasel and <laughs> Pavement and it's I'm just going to have a blast. And then it was just, you know, talking to guys that don't listen to music because yeah. they all went to college and just learned and I was just a guy that didn't go to college and worked at record stores.
1: did you not go to college?
2: I went to two uh, about a month and a half worth of classes at Santa Monica College when I moved out here, but then nine eleven happened and I thought the world was going to end
1: so you didn't need to do any book learning. I was like, I was like what's the fucking point?
2: What am I going to need this shit for and i wasn't it wasn't i didn't feel like I was going to get anything out of it and then and and, and for a long time, I wasn't sure if that was the right way to go. And now that I don't have a crushing debt, I feel well, really good.
1: Yeah. it. Uh, I really enjoyed college. I'm glad I went. However, being in that insular mindset of like, oh, a, cert- a diploma from here is going to lead to one thing versus here. And it's like, no one, and I went to a really good school. And it never comes up. And no one ever asked me where I went to school. And no one ever even asked you. I mean, you could write BA from anything on your resume. Well, first of all, I never use a resume. But if I did, that had where I went to college, no one ever checks that. It's like, it's weird how much you think it's going to matter. And then ultimately, it doesn't.
2: And I think it did. And I think that's why people know it. It's just an archaic idea of, uh, you know, it's funny how many things are holdover. You know, uh, you got married recently? I did, yeah. Yeah, I got married last year, April twenty seventh, and uh, you know, me and uh, my wife were trying to think of a way to strip down a wedding to make it cheaper. And when you start uh, to when you start to realize, it's like, all right, what do you need in a wedding? And then we're like, well, do you do you need a you bridesmaids and groomsmen? Wait, no, you don't. Did
1: you not have those? Because we didn't have those. No, we didn't have them because yeah.
2: you don't need them. Right. And it's like, oh do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? And he realized everything involving a wedding is just this reflection of a shadow of a fucking ghost image from uh the a long time ago in this fucking, you know, like time where, you know, you had to marry off uh, a girl so a war didn't start. And so you had to she it's like, Oh, what do you get? Well yeah, I got goats and you know, you have all these things. And then, you know, it's like, Well, do we do we need to invite family? Well, you have to invite because it's like, no, you don't. You don't need to fucking invite anybody. You cause it's like, you know, you might cry on stage, you don't want to fucking cry in front of your family. Fuck them. <laughs> Did don't, you not you know. invite your family? I I invited immediate family. And uh and you know, we, we it's um you know, she's from Chicago, I'm from Hawaii, and so we wanted to keep it. You know we've both lived in Los Angeles for a long time, and we our family is our friends, and we wanted them to be there and You know it's when you realize that so much of that stuff doesn't need to happen when all that a uh, wedding really needs it's like if you really break it down, what a wedding is is two people in a courthouse signing a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. It's not proclaiming their love in front of everybody they know. It doesn't really work that way anymore and it doesn't need to. It's just uh, it's just a way for people to feel important for one night of their lives, you know, for a girl to feel like a princess and a guy to feel like a like a winner. Just, you know, it's like you make sure you're good and pretty in a white dress for when I marry you And she's like, everyone's going to treat me like a queen. You know, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's dumb and it's archaic and it's, it's silly. So why not just make it a party? And I'm sorry, I might just be tearing apart whatever kind of wedding you had. No,
1: no, um, no, ours was, we, we kind of went through the same process. Ours wasn't really, I wish we, I, I wish we'd had a party. I wish we'd made it, we made, it was incredibly small. It was very like meaningful, but not fun. And I wish instead we just had a blowout and made it fun. And there's a my I have a lot of icky feelings about my wedding. A lot of things didn't go how I wanted them to go. And I mean, I'm so happy. Like the important things, like I love my husband, you yeah. know, and I'm married to him and yay. So that is all there. That's the important great. things. Yeah. The non important things, though, bug me sometimes. What um, happened? <sighs> Oh God, it's, I, it's, I've dragged my listeners through it. It's like such a long story. Okay, just, they don't
2: need to hear it again then.
1: Yeah, I mean, in short.
2: Yeah, they don't need to hear it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this. How did you no, 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 meet no, your a, wife?
2: How do I meet? Yeah. Uh, there was a, uh, a monthly um, kind of a TV competition community called Channel 101. Channel 101 was started by Rob Schraub, uh, who was uh, – Uh, The creator of uh, Scud, the Disposable Assassin comic books and who won. uh, And then when he was doing that, he met Dan Harmon. Dan Harmon, as we know, is a creative community. Community. Uh, But they started working in the, you know, in Wisconsin or Minneapolis or whatever, uh, working on this comic book. And they came out here and developed a TV show called um, Heat Vision and Jack, starring Jack Black and Owen Wilson. That didn't go, and they felt very disillusioned with the idea of television, how it worked, and how it should be more of a democratic version of, uh, uh you know, entertainment. So they started a thing called Channel 101. It was a monthly show where people would submit five minute pilots, and then the audience would vote for the five they wanted to see another episode of. And that's been going on I love for over- that. It's great. It's a great community. You know, Lonely Island guys, that's where they came from. You know, it's, uh, there's a lot of people that came from there and are killing it right now. And, uh, and so they they started this thing, and then you know, uh, my wife uh, was in Chicago, and she uh, did a whole thesis at, at at art school about democratic entertainment, and she like, she got really into the idea of Channel One Hundred and One, and so she came out specifically to Los Angeles to be a part of that community, and became a big part of that community, making weird fucked up cartoons. Um, and like you know weird shorts and uh you know and i always kind of went like from the beginning i was going to this thing it's every month and now it's at the D- uh, downtown independent were you
1: were you creating stuff for it i was or? always
2: too scared the first one i went to like i saw jack black in one thing and i saw like special effects in another thing i was like i don't know how, i don't even fucking know how to i don't own a camera i don't even, <laughs> you know and i what i showed was kept on hanging out but i was already starting to do stand-up and, and stand-up was working out and i was kind of always torn and i would go every couple months and you know, and then, uh it's like, you know, that's all the people that did uh, Sarah Silverman program. They all came from Channel 101, you know, and um, and, you know, even some of those guys went on to work on Jimmy Kimmel Live. But like, you know, there is like they, they infiltrate and they're it's a very it's the best college. You know, I, I suggest anyone that wants to get into being a filmmaker, uh, be a part of Channel 101. I
1: think I know, you know, Ben of Ben Show.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know Ben very well. Is yeah. he from work, Channel
1: 101? He's
2: not a Channel 101 guy. He's just kind of a second set. He's with like Derek Waters and those guys.
1: And Ben Ben Plumer? Ben
2: Plumer. Uh, he's, is he he's, Channel 101? He's a Channel 101 okay. guy. Yeah, but I do know
1: a Channel 101 guy. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's great. I'm sure you know a lot more than you think. But yeah, Ben Plumer, who's currently working on uh, uh epic mealtime yes. show. Uh, but like, yeah, he's, Oh, right.
1: You know Greg Heller.
2: I, I'm very good. For, I was just talking to him today about music. I was just talking oh. about The Replacements, uh, Super Chunk. And uh, and portostatic.
1: Oh yeah, because well, so he um, he and I made a pilot presentation
2: with for- Hampton Young. No, okay.
1: No, but Hampton Yacht was on my show.
2: I love Hampton. He's great. He's funny. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, but so anyway, yeah. That's I'm realizing this is a story that's going nowhere. It's just that I know Greg Heller, and he's also a former musician.
2: He is. Yeah. He's great. His band was really good. He's also like you know I, I met him through this guy Mike Henry, who's a very amazing writer that I met while working on Web Soup, and he's he's a musician as well. You know, it's a it's very fun. I like the idea, and and Mike Henry is one of those guys that showed me like you don't have to stop doing one thing to do to do another thing. You can just create how you want to. And, right. And but you know, anytime you have a impulse, you should follow it creatively. Um, but you know, uh, it
1: could totally get in the way of your flow of doing that, though. Oh,
2: so many things, Allison. So many it's things.
1: Unsightly hair all over your body. Or oh, I'm a guy. That's what I deal hair. with all the time. I know. Well, you know what you need. The no-no pro.
0: No-no pro. Uh,
1: up to 35% stronger. Than the Nono, which you guys have probably heard me talking about the no-no for a while. The Nono Pro, though, is more effective, faster, stronger. You get weeks of long-lasting results. Totally painless. It's this, this little portable device. You just glide it along your skin. It removes the hair. Totally painless. You don't even feel it. That's why I love the no-no Pro because uh, when I first saw it, I was like, um, I'm afraid to use that because I am a total wimp, but then I just conquered my fears and I used it, and I realized that not only is it absolutely painless, but you really don't even feel it. You can remove the peach fuzz from your face. You can remove hair on your neck or your back. No more nicks, cuts, ingrown hairs, uh, and the Nono Pro works on all skin types, all hair colors, safe and effective for both men men and women. So quit spending your money and uh, wasting time. Or not wasting time but quit inconveniencing yourself with laser hair treatment appointments and waxing and all that which is messy and it's just pain in the butt. Nono Pro is totally easy to use. Very convenient. Um, and there's an exclusive offer for you guys. You get the Nono Pro device. You get the exclusive facial kit. You get a very snazzy travel case. If you order online you get a free gift card. And the entire purchase is backed by Nono's triple guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied they'll refund the purchase price, refund the shipping, and even pay for you to ship it back to them, so you don't risk a penny to try the no-no today. Call for details. Terms and conditions may apply. And here's how you get this special offer. So write this down. Go to no no pro 800 or call eight hundred three three six one six six five. Again, that's no-no-pro-bestfriend.com or call eight hundred three three six one six six five. Okay, so you were saying that Mike Henry kind of taught you that you don't have to, like, stop one thing to do another thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there was 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 kind of a few guys throughout the time of my life. But um, what I was really getting at was uh, uh, because of Channel 101, I ended up going one night and uh, I was talking to my friend about Tumblr. I was like, Tumblr's really cool. It's a cool interface for making a blog, uh <laughs> For was, microblogging. Yeah, exactly. And Before then, Twitter. Uh, and then some girl started making fun of me. She's oh, like, really? oh, you got Tumblr? Oh, look, that's this guy. <laughs> I got Tumblr. I got Tumblr, too. I was like, oh, what's your Tumblr? She's like, I draw a dick a day. And then I was like, "Really, draw me a dick." And she took one of the 101 ballots and she wrote, drew this little dick looking sassy. And she signed it. She's like, "Here you go, motherfucker." And then like, and we started joking around back and forth. And that's the thing. I'm kind Very of sassy. A, yeah, I'm a little like, but she's not though. That's like she just. There was this one moment where she felt the need to be sassy, and she's not really that sassy. Or, like you know that. Was mean. she
1: being flirtatious, or did she just really? She not doesn't like think you? so.
2: She <laughs> doesn't think so. She was just like, you know, She. I think it was just like an, a drunken impulse, you know. That's just funny. and uh, you know, I, I think is I, I got like a. I'm like, I'm into low stakes, s and M. I'm kind of like, I'm a, you know, uh, like I'm a masochist. <laughs> so if a girl makes fun of me, that's like me getting whipped. You know, that's, I really, really, it turns me on. But then, you know, then like, I was like, oh, who's this cute girl? I and mean, then she like went off with her friend and then we all went to the frolic room afterwards after the screening and I'm talking to this guy and she comes up and she knows the guys, our friend Demorge, uh, Demorge Brown, who actually was the guy who ended up marrying us.
1: Oh, that's cool. And
2: she's like, she's like, the only reason, like, I, you know, I thought you were cute, but the only reason I came back up to talk to you is because you were talking to Marge, and Demorge and is a really good judge of character so it's like that's how we met and we started dating and then our first date was uh going to largo to see uh, they might be giants perform which was very good
1: and how did Well, what was your relationship history like before her
2: um i dated and i i had it like you know i was kind of constantly reeling from one heartbreak to the other i was that kind of i was that kind of nerdy asshole i was (laughs) like you know uh i would get my heart broken. In some way, and then I would just like have sex with girls that, um, I, you know, I was like, I was like, oh, but they don't care, you know, like all the while just being a dick to all these girls, not realizing it, not realizing it at all. And that, you know, it, it's funny because you don't think about the time you're because you're just you're the victim, and that's uh, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I'm like, oh, like, I'll, oh, like, you know, like hang out and sleep with a girl, but I'm constantly thinking about the girl from before, and then you know, I finally get over once I find Which some other girl, sadly, that doesn't
1: is me. total catnip to girls,
2: yeah, 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 that's why it's the you know, the best time. The best time to get a girl is when you are not, not looking for her, another yeah. yeah, Exactly. You don't, you know, think about it. And, you know, no, no, no so, you know. Yeah, you know. Did you have
1: like a line of women who were upset with you?
2: Mm, there was girls that thought I was a dick, but I wasn't like a heartbreaker kind of guy, you know. I was cuz or at least in my mind, I was a I was, you know, constantly cuz I was like, a, you know, like a fat nerdy kid that could never get girls. And, you know, there's that there's that nerd rage that happens with a lot of guys. I'm sure you dealt with it a lot where it's like there's these guys that, you know, it's like they're always like girls never like me and I feel like, like I, I still deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I it's, mean, I
1: feel like that's off, oftentimes what's on Twitter.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or
1: it's fueling a lot of Twitter rage, it seems Totally,
2: totally. It's just like, you know, no girls liked me in high school, therefore I shall always treat girls like that. And it's uh and I I'm very guilty of that. And I you know, it's uh I, I, I do my best to try and tell people to, you know, just it's not it's no one's fault. It's no one else's fault. And then, you know, because of the horrible things happen because of that, like the shooting up Santa Barbara. A, yeah. The like, I was just convinced of this thing as like, everyone's out to get him. And, you know, I, I would always say this thing. I was like, I was like, I'm like a jack of all trades. Like I'm a friend to all girls, but, I'm, you know, but not a lover to one. And all the while there was, you know, great girls that were, you know, probably would, you know, I, I could easily have like started relationships with.
1: Well, so I was a fat nerd too.
2: Yeah. Oh, when yeah.
1: did you lose weight?
2: Uh, it was started in my senior year of high school. I was living on my own because my parents moved to Lake Tahoe and I didn't want to leave Hawaii. And uh, so I just kind of, but I didn't know how to eat. So I just kind of started losing the weight. So when I was around 18, 19 is when I was at probably my thinnest. And, you know, I looked like lanky, like a dude, you know. But it's, you know, I'm sure you know, you still look in the mirror and you're just like, like what a fat piece of shit. You know, it's a, yeah, it's it, a weird the psychological emotional,
1: thing. The emotional weight <laughs> it stays yeah. with you. I mean, I, it sounds like I, I was, so you've been not fat ever since you were eighteen?
2: No, I've been doughy ever since. I've been <laughs> yeah. You know, I've I've uh, I've just been soft ever since. I, I you know, like it's like uh, but you're I've not, never been. But you're fed. not overweight. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still like a uh, shirt on in his pool guy. That's the and I'm still Shame that dude. Shirt. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and everyone knows right when you get out of the pool. It's like you know. It's not like it's hiding anything. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. No, he just likes to wear his shirt in the pool. But yeah. He's got an amazing physique underneath.
2: Yeah, exactly. Ah, I don't want to get sunburned. Yeah. You know, that's what you try to tell people. like, ah, I don't want to get sunburned. And uh, your Sunday lotion gives me hives. You know.
1: Sometimes I think, actually, like every birthday I wake up and I think, this has been a series of years I wake up and I think, I'm too old to be insecure. Like, when am You're I going to fucking get over this?
2: Well, yeah. yeah. And I'm married. And I think about that all the time. I was like, what do I care? What do I care? Like it's like I should just be healthy enough to live as long as I can to 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 give the love and support to the to the woman I love for the rest of my life like, as long as I can can do it. I want to. That's how. That's what. That's what I should think. I, I should only be healthy enough to like just support this, right. not like financially, but like love this person as long as I can. But I don't. I go I was like, Ooh, look at that picture. You got tits in it. You know, it's like, oh, I look like I'm hunched over, you know, like even before we started, it's like, it's like, you know, you're married. I'm married. Uh, like, it's like, but I'm still like, it's like, do I look skinny? What do, I, do I look cool?
1: <laughs> yeah, it just, uh, I don't know when, I don't know when that ever sloughs off or if it ever does. I don't
2: know. It's, it's something that I should really work on. You know, um, a friend of mine the other day was saying just, it's like, he, he's, uh, it's like, I really need to lose weight. But then I think, will any one of my friends love me less? If I stayed this way. No. So I should only get to a point where I'm happy with myself.
1: That I spend too much time kicking all that shit around in my head. Like recently I stepped on the scale and I, my weight was up a pound and I was like, well, there we go. Got to stay in today. Yeah. You it's going to
2: ruin it yeah, your day.
1: It totally does. Because I'm the kind of person where if if I have a... I mean, it's just, it's so symbolic. If I have a meeting coming up that I'm nervous about and I step on the scale, my weight's a little lower than I thought. I'm like, oh, okay. I can go to this meeting. Whereas if it's <laughs> yeah. a little bit up, I want to like buy time. And then I stopped and I was like, I'm not any more or, I mean, arguably there's more of me, but like, <laughs> I'm the same person, whether I'm up a pound or down a pound or even more than that. Like I know yeah. all of a sudden I thought of Adam Carolla and I thought of... Him being like, "Oh, one ninety one can't go out today." Like he would <laughs> never do that. He would never stop. Ha- he would never more and not have an experience because of his weight. Yeah, and like it's it's. I really feel like somehow I'm not the same person if if the number switches. Because the thing is, the way I see it, it's like I don't know where the number is. But I used to be a person that walked around and when people looked at me, it was like, oh, there's a fat girl. And yeah, now, even yeah, though I definitely. feel like a fat person, I, I'm i aware that I don't read that way to other people. Like I don't walk into a room. People don't go, oh, like there's a fat girl. Yeah. And yet I don't – but at, at a certain point, I would switch back into that there's a fat girl. And I don't know where the number is and I just want to stay up like far away from it. Well, it's also
2: weird I don't when know. You're, it's so fucked up. No, it's really fucked up. But you know, it's weird uh, because we we have a lot more wiggle room wiggle room for ourselves because you know it's a no matter how bad I get, I still like I'll never get as fat as I was when I was a kid in high school. Like it's like you know I was almost three hundred pounds. I'm not going to get back there. But so it's like so if I'm you know I'll find myself getting like the two seventy, and I'll be like I'll like look in the mirror and go What's going on?" But I don't notice it because. It's not as bad as it was. Yeah, and uh, it's 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 really funny because you can, you know, people who were really heavy they have this thing where it's like they're more concerned about it because, you know, they can gain twenty pounds or lose twenty pounds and it's still this weird thing. It's always a back and forth thing. And, totally. But it'll. But they. But they can get there because you know most people will gain ten pounds and be like, oh shit, what's going on here? Oh, what the fuck? You know, but absolutely-
1: if you've lost 60 pounds in your life, 10 is nothing. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. It's I can go up and down 10 pounds within a week or two. Yeah, I could if I wanted to more sandwiches. Oh, remember when sandwiches wasn't even a bad thing? Yeah. Remember when it's like it's like it's like, I'll have a sandwich. Yeah, I'm going to keep it easy. I'm going to have a sandwich. I would never
1: order a sandwich now. Sandwiches is like the most that's like Although pizza to me. I will me. lie to myself and like sneak the amount of calories in a sandwich in other things. Sure. But I would never si- I will never sit down and never like actually order a sandwich.
2: No, it's it's a, it's like a luxury these yeah. days. Yeah, all I do now is try I was like what do I, I want to do? Well, I like to go out and eat good dinners. So I'm going to do my best to keep it together uh, during the day so I can not feel like a piece of shit when I go to a nice place and not get the best thing they have in the menu. And so I can not try their best beer and have four of them. You know, it's like I, I want to live my life how I want to right. and I want to live it healthily but I also want to have fun because I'm not trying to show my good grades in this life so I can get in a better class in the next one because the next one does not exist to me.
1: Same. I do want to say something, though, which is I could imagine a listener being like, what's so wrong? A listener who's de- battling with their weight being like, God, what's so wrong with with being overweight or what's so wrong with being fat? Because the way I talked about it, like, I just want to be as far away from fat as possible. And so I'm trying to figure out how to answer that. Because I de- the last thing I would ever want, considering my own background, would be that someone who's struggling with their weight feels like I'm saying gross. Because yeah, I'm never, not saying yeah. that. It's about – for me – it's about, it it's a, for me, and myself, which would really be what for me is. It's really just about control, feeling like I'm able to control my own life, and like yeah. I'm able to control my just. It, it, it's and it's so much. It's about so much more because that's what I'm saying. Like the fact that I can be up a pound, and I freak out. And I'm totally aware that I look, I look no different. It's just about that feeling of it's so much, it's so much. That I'm number. running, I'm running away from who I used to be. It's the yeah. feeling of I will turn into that person. I don't want to be who I was. It's, it's a whole bunch of fucked up shit.
2: It's a bunch. It's, and it's all mental. It's a. There's when, when I talk about fat, when you talk about fat, when, uh, when we talk about it, we're not talking about someone else that's fat. No, it's we're t- talking about exactly. ourselves, and it's, it's not about how it, it's like if you are where you're at and it's, it's about your struggle. It's uh, but this is, this is Mein Kampf. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and not only are, Oh, totally lost my train of thought. So because Mind of that, that's true. Yeah. I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> it was no, probably no. the, the worst way to talk, but I was trying to, uh, it's totally okay. What, but,
1: no, what was, what was I going to say? I was saying, you were saying that we're talking about us and, Oh yeah, I know what I was going say. I was going to say, and I wish we could show ourselves the kindness that we would show someone else, yeah, but then there's that fear that if i and here's the extra level of fucked upness, that fear that if I show myself that kindness that then that's when it'll happen if I'm kind to my if I'm not like an asshole to myself, then that's when I'll lose control
2: it's called it's what I call the cycle of vanity. It's just that you get to this place where you're just like you're like you know uh, I really gotta start eating better, I got to start losing some weight, I got to start kind of keeping this stuff together, and then you kind of, you go through the day, and then you're like, "Mm." you start to feel okay, and you're feeling good about yourself, and then you go, you know what, what do I give a shit what I look like, I am who I am, Uh, people like me, I'm accepted, I'm a good person, and then, you know, you have some beers, and then you have some pizza, and and then you... the next morning, you weigh yourself, and you're like, "Oh God, what did I do? I gotta get it together. I gotta try and keep this shit in line." And then you feel good, and then you go, you know, it's that cycle of vanity. And when you, it's like, "Who cares what I look like? I care what I look like. Who cares what you do? I care what I do." It's 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 a fucking it's a disaster.
1: I mean, that's why people in AA just make the decision that the, I'm just not gonna drink because otherwise, every single day throughout the day, they'll be walking around thinking, "What could one beer do? What could you know?" And in a way, I mean, it's like healthy eating habits you can get to a point where you're just and i wish i was this way but i'm not but it's like where you're just like i just don't even mess around with it anymore i don't even have the first chip Right don't well actually now i'm on a no chip policy with myself do you not drink i don't drink Shit. but i here i am no, no, i show but I'm up not, but I'm two not.
2: ipas in and then i pour myself a miller light over ice in a fucking elvis presley pint glass
1: Here's the thing. I don't drink, but I'm not AA. So, although I did when I quit drinking, I did go to some meetings, but I didn't actually do the steps. So I feel like people who are in AA would be like, "You're not real AA," and it's still questionable to me whether I was an alcoholic or not because I really don't fit the whatever the description is. Like that's not exactly me. Like, are I'm you much happier more, now than you oh, were? Oh yeah.
2: Then there, yeah, there it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's but definitely the right decision for me. Yeah. That being said, I could go have a couple drinks and I would be fine. I can't I'm too aware of everything now. So I can't drink in the way that I used to, which was in a very much like I want to get drunk, I want to escape, I want to see where I end up. Now I would just be like a, I'd have a I'd have a very sober way of being like I'm drunk and I'm not enjoying it.
2: Oh shit. No, I just I just like it cuz it makes me feel nice.
1: Yeah, I never I that's how my husband is. Yeah. Um, and it just was never like that for me.
2: Yeah. I mean, it I, made
1: me feel nice, but I like to chase it with more feeling nice and then feeling nice from other substances and then, woo, see yeah. you tomorrow.
2: Well, that was, you know, that was the whole thing. If you ever read the Chris Farley show, which was the book about Chris Farley's life and his addiction. It's, a, it's incredible. But there was a thing that would happen where everything in, in him was connected. Addiction was one thing for him. So if he had to lose weight, he had to quit everything and if he i can
1: totally relate to that like yeah. I, I have a very addictive personality yeah. so i'm like all or nothing is easier for me usually
2: exactly so like you know he's like trying not he's trying to lose weight he's trying to eat right but then he, he's like he's like, oh, we'll just, like all that's here is a piece of pizza well fuck i had one piece of pizza i guess i'll have two pieces of pizza. i'll have a whole pie i'll you know i was just at this point whatever diet's done i'll have a beer yeah. i'll have beers i'll have whiskey I'm uh, gonna have more beers. Okay, I'm gonna smoke some weed. Okay, I'm gonna do some coke, now. I'm gonna do some others. You know, he just would f- slide down it. Right. And that would happen. That would always start with food.
1: It's for me. It would start with alcohol, yeah. and that's why, even though alcohol was never my thing, I was like, I have like I, I was like, all the bad decisions I've made, I haven't made any of them without being drunk. Wow. So no, I mean that's what I would think back then. I'm not saying yeah, all yeah, yeah, the yeah. bad decisions in my life, but it and it was often it was like, okay. I'm not going to text this guy. I'm not going to see this guy because there's I want something here and I'm not, it's not going to happen. You know, I, I could hook up with him, but he does not want a relationship and I know that I'm going to end up getting hurt and blah blah blah. So, I'm just I'm done. I'm moving on so that I can create a space in my life for the right kind of guy to come by, you know. <laughs> that was the voice.
2: If you will it.
1: Yes and then i 'd have a couple of drinks, and then I'd text him, like it was always, and he could be a series of hymns, yeah, uh, but it 's like that you know that was definitely part of it. These bad decisions with guys were definitely tied into my inhibitions being weakened from being drunk, and then there was you know a little bit of messing around with drugs, and that I was like, I have a very drugs are not okay for me kind of policy that i wasn 't sticking to, and yeah. uh, Actually, I don't want—I don't want to say that I have like a drugs are not okay for me policy, but I'm just saying that I was just like, who have I be? i, I felt very horrified by who I had become. Oh wow! Yeah, I—I I was kind of—I was pretty hard on myself.
2: Yeah, no, that does sound like it's—that's the weird thing with me. It's like the—the the more I drink, the more I do drugs. It's like I'm just like a better version of myself, and I'm a better driver. I'm a better driver when I'm drunk. Of
1: course, of no, course I'm, you are. No, How- that's
2: a—that's uh, that. Yeah, it's my least favorite thing.
1: Um, that people say when they're drunk.
2: Yeah, it's my listeners like, no, I'm a better driver. I'm a, like a more like focused. It's, but... it's total bullshit. Yeah, it's total bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it, and the thing is that the the fact is they 're not all wrong; they are f- hyper focused, but they 're also in a state where they can get distracted in a fucking second right, yeah, right,
1: it's just yeah, um how did you meet Chris and become part of Nerdist?
2: uh Chris, I met just through stand up i uh you know I was, I was doing open mics around town, and uh, he would always go to this one open mic called the Bruco, the Westwood Bruco, and it was uh, every week it was the best show, it was Tuesday nights, uh, and it was you know everyone it was like everyone was there, like Zach Galifianakis was there, and Chris and um, guys like Aaron Lee who went on to write for, you know, Cleveland show and family guy and, um, and Blanca patch was there and Maria Bamford. And, and then I, I started, I was like kind of part of this, like these younger kids coming in. It was like me, Morgan Murphy, BJ Novak, Dan Mintz, uh, you know, um, uh, all these, you know, really like successful people that, you know, now, but like, we were all just kind of younger people at that time. And Chris was there and, you know, um, we kind of got along, uh, you know, And then it was just a guy in a scene. He was just a guy in a scene. And like you know, him and Mike Furman started doing some music stuff. And so they would have me play drums sometimes for them. And um, yeah, and then like uh, I I did um, uh, like a a web series for um, you know years later. I did a web series for um, uh, Turner called Super Deluxe, and like the the series was called The Freeloaders' Guide to Easy Living. And then we also did some other videos and uh, Chris really liked them and like, he was always he was like, oh, you're, you're, it's like, you're, your videos are really good. And then he started – he got a job hosting a show on G4 called uh, Web Soup. And he's like, I want you to write on the show and I want you to uh, like do videos but you have to meet with these uh, – the, the, the showrunners. And it was these guys, Brad Stevens and Boyd Vico, who I am now like great friends with. Like they're some of my best friends and they're really awesome guys and really, really funny. And we really got along and so I got a, I got a job on the show. And and then like while we were doing that, you know, Chris, um, you know, we were just like, you know, like I got a job on the show and I was working on the show. Chris was doing his own thing. And then he uh, we all kind of worked on this one pilot, which was a revamped version of the E show, the Daily Ten. And it was, you know, if that went, that would have been huge for Chris. But it didn't go. And then he was like, you know, fuck, I'm going to just sort of do my own thing. I'm going to do a podcast. I was like, cool. Have fun. Whatever that is. <laughs> right. Whatever that is. That's the thing that Jim Pardo does. Yeah, I don't, I don't fucking know. Internet okay. radio. Uh, and then, uh, and then like, he's like, I oh, was like, you should be like my co And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, he's, he's like, yeah, I know this guy at the Mac store, the gene, you know, the Apple store that like can produce it. Cause he works on uh Todd glass and, uh, you know, um, the Jimmy door show. And I was like, he's like, yeah, well, cool. Whatever. And that guy was Matt Myra. And then, um, we went to Tom London's house, uh, the day after my first date with my now wife, <laughs> it was like, it's like, uh, we start it was super bowl sunday and so it was, and I remember, that, that's what's so weird is like all this stuff you know, my my current life right now is all all happened within that one year like uh i i i had stopped doing the meltdown show on my own and then i was like you know what i'm going to start redoing it cuz i was with uh Deanna, and she made me feel good and she made me feel like i could get back into stand up because i kind of quit stand up for a little bit and she was, you know, she gave me the confidence to get back into it. And then, you know, and I was working on that show and I was feeling really good about myself. And then, uh, you know, we started doing the podcast and the podcast kind of started like ticking up and, and um, now I'm married and I've been doing that podcast for four years. And the live comedy show has turned into a TV show. It's, it's, it's a real, like, you know, real weird red letter day of a year for me. And yeah. it's really, really, really cool.
1: That's interesting. It's interesting how that all, yeah. Cause for me, I moved back from New York, got the job in the Adam Carolla show, met my husband uh, now I'm yeah like it it yeah. kind of all after for me feeling like I was just kind of like not moving forward. Well, I mean I but in a way like a lot of stuff was happening, but I felt like nothing. Like I felt like I was just holding still for so yeah. long. Yeah,
2: when you're up close to a painting, you can't tell the you can't tell what's going on. You back up and it all of a sudden it's a you know fucking frog.
1: <laughs> Let's do just me or everyone. But there is a question I want to ask first, which is so. You probably don't consider yourself a sidekick on the show.
2: No, I do. I'm a professional sidekick. Okay. that's fine.
1: Because you and I are both, for lack of a better word, like sidekicks on these super popular podcasts.
2: Second banana, as exactly, I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And what is first banana? Um, <laughs> but on these, you know, yeah, super successful podcasts. We also both have our own podcasts as mm-hmm. well. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, what's that experience like for you?
2: It's fine, you know, when we started it it wasn't really supposed to be any of that, but the, you know, but dynamics happen. You know, it's uh it's, that's the way it goes with any even if it was just the three of us hanging out. Chris would probably end up being the guy that like kind of was like let's go do this and you know, I'm, I'm a real go with the flow kind of guy and I just like joking around and having fun and like you know, kind of leaning back. I don't like I don't like uh, driving the ship. I don't like doing that. that's why even on my own podcast, uh, Jonah radio, it's like, you know, I do my best to just kind of let the chaos happen as it is, because I think that's more interesting. That stuff is more interesting to me. I don't, I don't need to be the guy that's in charge. And, and, uh, and I also like to struggle with that sometimes when things don't go my way. So it's a lot of fun, but you know, with, uh, with Chris, it's, um, it's fine. It's, it's just the way that happened. And he is really interested. I don't, I never intended to be a host and I don't want to be. And I have I've uh, I've done it a, a few times here and there and it's uh, and I've, I've said no to offers of hosting stuff more than I've done it. You know, I it's so it's like I don't care and I don't need to be the guy that comes in. and goes, Well, no, hold on. I got a better question. I only ask questions when I'm interested in what the answer is. And and Chris has gotten better and better at interviewing people that I, I can just sit back and have the front row seat. To you know, one of my closest friends interviewing Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, <laughs> you know, I, I can I'm right there. I can just and if and if like I'm just like, but what about this? You know, I have that. You know, I'm I'm the internet incarnate right there. I I can be there when it happens and and ask my ask my my dumb question and make my dumbass joke and I can just lean right back. <laughs> I don't need to be on the mic for that stuff. So. And then we have the shows where it was just the three of us, me, Matt, and Chris, and those are fun too and i get to have those and we get to we get a great crowd but i don't mind i don't care you know it's um being a host or being on these podcasts it's just like it's just a cool fun thing for me it's not the end all and it's not like so it's uh if i were the guy i was like but my podcast or i'm the guy it's like uh, you know I'd, I'd care more but i don't i don't it's a uh, i it's a it's a nice day job and i get to go and do other things and i get to help out other people. I get to help out bands on Jonah radio. I get to go on auditions and, you know, I get to be on like, like, uh, like, you know, Marin or, you know, I get to be on these people's shows and I get to just kind of, you know, be funny and create stuff on my own. That's the, that's the stuff that really is important to me. You know, it's like, it's like, so second banana doesn't make a difference to me. It's like second banana to hang out with my friends. Sure. That's how, that's how social dynamics work. There's always going to be this weird hierarchy that ends up working itself out. And the guy who wants it the most is going to get it the guy who doesn't is just going to have fun. So yeah. Uh, but what about you? I mean, do you? Oh,
1: well, for me it's it's very different because I was hired specifically to be the, you know, news girl on the podcast. Yeah. It was the Adam Carolla show from the beginning. So, um, it's but I mean, it's been great. It's the yeah. exposure is great, the experience is great. I have a really good time. Um, I've been able to do I mean, I Alice Rose is your new best friend. Star, I started that in New York, but it was a it was on UStream, so it was a streaming, interactive oh, wow, talk yeah. show out of my living room. Um, but I realized at a certain point, like I don't think streaming video that's interactive is necessarily where it's at. Because I was friends with Doug Benson. Oh, okay. I become friends with him. And I remember we were talking, and I we were just I was just getting a sense of like what, how many people listen to podcasts versus the, versus my thing where it's like. Sunday night, seven o'clock, be in front of your computer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, I for that kind of thing, I had a big audience, but it was just, you know, dwarfed by this. Like people can listen to it on there at the gym or whatever. And I was like, started, had started already thinking, maybe I should turn this into a podcast. Maybe I should take the audio from this, except it's not really good audio. Dah, dah, dah. And I, so I had this in the back of my head that I would like to. Host my own podcast yeah. one day, and so then you know I've been able to do that here, and um, yeah, so it's great. I mean, it, it sounds great. different, different than what you're describing, but but I totally love it.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I dig it, and I and I I recommend it to people. And, you know, it's it's uh the, I I was just did this interview, and someone was asking me like, what do you think podcasting or you know YouTube or Vine are going to do to the comedy scene? And I say it, it's a uh, well, the thing about when you podcast, is that you have to talk and you have to keep on talking, and the more you talk and the more you joke around, the more you find out the ways you're good at talking and the way you go- you're, the ways you're good at joking around, and you find your voice a lot faster. It's uh, it's like being on stage uh, for an hour at a time. When it, when you're a young comic, you're on stage for you know, three five minutes at a time, you know. And uh, but when you're when you're doing podcasting, you have to keep on talking, you have to keep on making jokes, and you know you'll 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 get that muscle trained a lot earlier.
1: Do you do Vine?
2: Nah. Okay. I ain't know Jason Nash.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. I I stopped looking at Vine and then I've been watching Funniest Wins a little bit on T B S. Do you watch it? Do you know no, it? I don't um, know who that is. Oh, it's this reality competition hosted by Marlon Wayans. Jason Nash is one of the contestants and I don't know if you know Christina Paschitzky. Mm. Um, she's a comedian and I'm friends with her and she's one of the contestants as well. And it's so it's these comedians uh in these all these different competitions to like and they eliminate someone each week and and they're they do a lot of vine stuff on the show. I'm like, so Vine is really a thing. Like, it's really become a thing. And, and I had Jason Nash on the show. And so I, I was looking at it recently. And it's actually, I mean, there's, like, funny Vines on there. But I just don't have funny. those six seconds.
2: No, there, there's <laughs> I incredibly funny things. And, and Jason Nash, who I've known for years and worked with him a bunch. It's like he's he, great at it. And there's a lot of people that are great at What's it. What's weird um,
1: is that it's launching careers.
2: It yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't care. You know, yeah. it's a, if it's if if that's what you want, you know, go for it you know vine kids might not need a career outside of it they can you know hold a coke can and get a bunch of money from it
1: i mean i guess it's a what a visual one-liner
2: sure it's just a a,
1: a sight gag
2: yeah it's you know it's a it's a different medium and it's i I don't get angry about it i just it's not my thing it's a different scene you know or as pete Holmes says it's a different tribe is that what he says? Yeah, he just talks strictly about, like,
1: about Vine or about life.
2: Just about life, you know. It's like you know, it's like different tribes, different types of people. It's uh, you know, I've yeah. I've no intention of trying to figure out how to be funny on Vine. I like Instagram video because it's uh, you know fifteen seconds and you can put music on it if you want and you know how to figure that out and you can make little short films like that. You know, it's just dumb. It's just dumb stuff. But um, but good good on like you know good on Jason like you know it. People are talking about Jason again. And rightfully so. He's always been hilarious, but now a bunch of people know him, and that's fucking incredible, and thanks to Vine. Jim Hamilton is a, is a good example of that. Jim Hamilton has been a great comic for a long time, but be, because Twitter came around, his jokes perfectly sit into Twitter. It's like he's got these great one-liners, and he just puts them out on Twitter, and now people know who he is.
1: I don't. I need to check him out. He's Is great it at Jim Hamilton at
2: I, at Jim underscore Hamilton. I think um, there's a couple of Jim Hamiltons on Twitter, but he's, I'll find the he, funny one. He has a he has an album out on Est Records uh, uh, called uh, Poems About the Ocean, and it's uh, it's it's yeah. He's great. He's a great you know Rob Delaney. There's another guy. Uh, he's just a, he was another dude that was around. Twitter came around, fucking nailed it.
1: Oh, what did you do with Bobcat Goldthwait?
2: By the way, just in, it is Jim underscore Hamilton. Okay. Jim underscore Hamilton. Uh, with Bobcat Goldthwait, uh, besides just like being buds?
1: Yes, but you did something with Bigfoot?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm um, was you know i friends with Bobcat and uh, he was supposed to have – I'm not sure if you would want me saying this, but he was supposed to have uh, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters do um, the song that these folk guys sing in his, his Bigfoot movie. It's called Roger and Bob Went Out That went Out One Day. It's, it's, a, it's about the two guys that film the the, the only footage known to man yeah. of Sasquatch. And so it's like there's this guy in that town that the literal like folk musician guy is like, Roger and Bob went out that day. You know, it's this whole song about the thing. It's a real long song. And so, you know, he's old friends with the Nirvana guy, so he's friends with, you know, uh, Dave Grohl, who said he would do it, but Dave Grohl was so busy with um, Sound City that uh that he he's like i can't do it and then so bob he's like you know a lot of bands do you know anyone that can do it a, do a, a version of the song and i was like what kind of what like you gotta tell me what do you want he's like i don't know foo fighters are gonna do it so i don't know something like social distortion something kind of like you know rock punk um <laughs> kind of stuff and i was like i got it it's this guy from this band called the roswell kid and he's in this other band called dreamboats uh it's like boom right there roswell kid i emailed him i was like here's the track. Um, and I knew he had his own little studio at his house. I was like – it's like, hey, they need this in like two days. Do you think you could do this? He's like, I got it. A day, the next day he sent back the track and that's the one that's during the end credits of Bobcat's uh, amazing comedy horror movie, uh, Willow Creek, which I highly recommend. It's a great movie. Um, and then also he was the director of uh, my episode that I'm in um, of uh, Marin on IFC. It's, uh, he directed it and then uh, also uh, Jerry Stahl from Permanent Midnight wrote it and uh dave with it with dave anthony and, and so they wrote me a part um about, of the record store clerk which is uh, a real stretch for me
1: <laughs> all right let's now do just me or everyone
2: there you go
0: sometimes i ponder on something i have thought or done is it just me or everyone all right,
1: Rachel says, "Just me or everyone?" I wish there wasn't a snooze options on alarms, specifically iPhone anymore, because I use it every day and then regret it every day. No, I like the snooze function.
2: Yeah, learn some self control, Susan.
1: Her name's Rachel, <laughs> but but Susan works.
2: Susan sounds more insulting. than It Rachel. does. It does. Rachel would make me seem like kind of like it's like learn some self control, Rachel. <laughs> you know, it's just a bit. It's, it sounds shittier on my part.
1: Scott Hatherley says. Did you say me, Gary? Oh. Scott Hatherley says, there's not enough nostalgic head of the class discussion. Just me everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, interesting, because I just mentioned head of the class a couple days ago, but he sent in this just me or everyone before that. I would agree. There's not enough nostalgic head of the class so that, discussion. So head of the class,
2: I remember it very well. Um, Not very well, but like kind of uh, the, the, the mustachioed guy from WKRP was the teacher. Is that right?
1: Well, Billy Connolly was the teacher after that guy.
2: Oh, Billy Connolly. Okay.
1: Yeah, but no, you're right. He the, was there. The teacher before that was that guy. Yeah,
2: and then the fat guy went yes. on to be the biggest money maker in children's television, preteen television. He
1: is married to Lisa Lillian, who is a k a. Hungry Girl, who was a guest on my show a long time ago.
2: Crazy. Small that guy makes world. a ton of money. He's like he I, Carly. I Carly, yeah. yeah, and a ton of other shows, and runs a bunch crazy, of shows. Right, yeah.
1: and then also there was um the other guy, you know who I mean. His name <laughs> is escaping me right now. He's a director of a lot of stuff. I want to say it's like Brian something. Oh, I can't believe I'm forgetting. He was an mm. a- He. Shit. Gary, could you look up? Thank you. Turtle. It's Brian something. It was turtle. It's not. It was not turtle. It's. Yeah.
0: Crap! It's Brian Robbins, and for the record, yes. Jonah's friend shouted that about seven seconds ago. I just couldn't hear it, <laughs> oh. but he knows and was thank very you, Brian's friend.
1: Yes, exactly. No, my I mean, friend did thank it. Thank you. Oh, names, names. <laughs> what's happening? Come on,
2: his name is friend Neil. Neil. You so- you said it earlier. <gasps> I know. Which is the most condescending thing. So what's up with you, friend Neil? Let me put you into a corner. You
1: said this is my friend Neil, so I just had to refer to him as friend Neil.
2: Sure. Okay, sorry. This is some guy that followed me in.
1: Melissa Acosta says – listen, Susan. (laughs) Melissa Acosta says, when I vacuum or wash my face, I become hypervigilant, thinking someone is going to scare me from behind. Um, Only if I am, like, already spooked by something do I – become uncomfortable closing my eyes to wash my face. I
2: get jostled easily. I have a me and my wife have like a little garage space and I go back there and I listen to music really loud and work and write and some and she'll try and knock on the door to let her she she knows but then she, I never hear it and then she's like, "Hey, I go, god fuck like it's every time." I what?
1: jump all the time too. Yeah. I can I can know so I mean I can be like walking down the hall and I know someone's there. I know someone's there and I still jump.
2: Yeah, Feared. even like uh, I knew um, like uh, our friend Cash who like produces the Generatio. Like I, he he usually just goes through the back and like starts setting up the podcast for the garage. And then like I was I kind of knew he was in there, but I walk in and he was in there. I was like fucking shit. Like it's like I can't.
1: What is that? Because I, I have that too. I
2: don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're it, so hypersensitive.
1: Is it because we don't have our fat to protect us anymore? Yeah, exactly. Except that I was like that when I was fat too.
2: Yeah, me too. I <laughs> okay. jump easily. Ever since I got into a car accident when I was like sixteen and. Ever since there, screeching tires and loud noises make me jump real big.
1: What happened in the accident?
2: Uh, I was ditching school to go to the world's largest hedge maze, uh, which ha- is on the other side of the island of Oahu, where I lived. And um, and uh, I turn to my friend Bobby, and I go, uh, you know, friend Bobby, right. and uh, I go, I go. Well, it looks like we're in for quite an
0: adventure. <laughs> like just
2: making a dumb joke, and then I go into an intersection, and these two kids that were drunk driving, trying to get to school on time, just come and just like broadside us and just T-bone. And uh, they got real fucked up. I, I you know, I went to the hospital and got released. But yeah, it was real gnarly.
1: But everyone lived.
2: Everyone lived. Yeah.
1: That but, still sounds awful.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was pretty shitty.
1: So you never got to go to the head maze? The hedge maze? No, no. Head I, maze. Never
2: had, no I never got to go to the head maze. I got to the co-head maze. <laughs> uh, no, I never got to go to the hedge maze. I still haven't gone. It's at the Dole, the, uh, the Dole Pineapple Plantation.
1: Do you go back to Hawaii a lot? Yeah, my
2: parents still live there. A lot of my family still lives there. They live in Waikiki now, uh, which is irritating because Waikiki sucks.
1: But they lived in Lake Tahoe for a while?
2: Yeah, they moved to Lake Tahoe uh for like, you know, five years and then they just they were like they're like, What are we doing? Who are we fooling?
1: That's crazy that though that young though, you were living on your own.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. luckily it's like uh I had a grandfather who had just died but he had this apartment that he had bought uh on on the town side, uh that was just being paid for. It was just paid for. And so I just lived there. And yeah, you know, like my dad would come back every you know a few weeks and just, you know, we need everything okay. I yeah.
1: mean isn't that kind of the dream of someone that young?
2: Yeah, but I was I was straight itch, so it's like it's not like I got to use it for anything good. Oh, When yeah. did you start drinking? Uh I started drinking after high school. Yeah, summer so after like high. So
1: like when you're legally allowed to drink?
2: No, 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 after like when I was eighteen, summer so after high school. Before that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, It was just one of those things where it's. Uh, I was actually at this party and I didn't drink. and Everyone was drinking, and they were playing quarters. And then some guy got it in, and he was like, "He was like, uh, I want you to drink." And everyone was like, "Ha ha ha ha! That's so funny you said that, cuz he." And then I was like, "Okay." And then I grabbed a beer and just. Slammed it down. He showed them. It showed them.
1: Did you put the X's on your hands and everything?
2: I did for a little bit, and then I I didn't like it. I didn't like the uniformity of it. You know, I like the I like the ident- the identity of straight edge at first, but the um. The, Do you
1: have X S X E in your email signature ever? No, <laughs> I didn't. I
2: didn't. But I was in a band that like you know they demanded on the flyers it said X thirty six chambers X you know just to really drive it home. Right. Uh Yeah. No. My first email was uh, barf the mog at. WebTV dot com.
1: Oh, that's good.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Spaceballs reference and and a way out of date internet reference.
1: That's it's funny you say that. We all shared our first screen names very recently.
2: It looks like Seems everything so. fun happened before I got in here.
1: <laughs> I was just talking with Neil. No, oh, before the Neil. show started. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Amy, no, just Dawn says just me or everyone. By the end of the weekend, I usually have a collection of beer caps in a jeans pocket. Hashtag lift, fold, shove in pocket. Well, I don't, but that 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 means your plight, and you're just not dropping them everywhere.
2: Yeah, I was gonna say that's very nice of you. Uh, I do that. I do that a lot, where I just I like uh, if I don't have a place to put a straw wrapper, I just shove it in my pocket. Uh, so yeah, no, that's that's us. I would do that.
1: There you go. Yeah. Amy says just mirror everyone. I prefer to honk the horn without lifting my hand from the top of the wheel, rather applying pressure from bottom of my wrist.
2: Ooh, interesting. So that's a way to kind of just do it incognites. <laughs> yep. Yeah, just kind of like so you can kind of get away. You know? Do you ever do this? Do you ever accidentally honk and then someone like angry looks at you and then you have to be like you have to wave at some person right, that does. Right. Like, oh, honk! Oh, you, No, no, not not for you. But as uh, my friend was over there, don't worry about me. I'm sorry. I've never had that happen. You never have imagine I, it. I do that all the time. I pass the buck constantly.
1: That when I accidentally honk, I think is when I'm trying to get into my car and I have like a giant tote bag with me and that hits the horn. Otherwise, I don't. I tend not to accidentally honk. I'm just lucky that way.
2: Yeah, sounds like it. Sounds like you live it's a, a charmed real charmed life. Yeah, exactly. I even know how you're able to raise your left hand with that rock on it.
1: There. Uh, oh, this whole thing. Okay, <laughs> Kevin Smith, but not that Kevin Smith says. Just me or everyone. Remember avoiding stepping on cracks as a kid and then still do it for a short time as an adult. Yeah. I prefer not to step on cracks. I don't step I can, in- but I prefer not to.
2: And it's for the reason that it breaks your mama's back. Right? right? Yeah. That was the whole thing. I mean, I learned that from uh, Land Before Time. Step on a crack. Break your mama's back.
1: Right. That's why we all don't do it.
2: That's why we all don't do it. Because, and I'm yeah. not
1: a superstitious person. I, that's always the what I say before saying However, I don't like to open an umbrella indoors. I don't like being around people who open them indoors. And I also, if a black cat crosses my path, I do feel a little bit like, uh oh.
2: You know, here's the weird thing. I don't believe in g- 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 ghosts, and uh, I, I'm not really the kind of person who believes in superstition. Um, but I, you know, I, I still however, say. It, is there a however? Coming? However, okay. Um, I say I still say stuff like it's like you know my wife would be like it's like it looks like we're not hitting any traffic I go don't jinx us she's like oh if I had the ability to but then she believes in ghosts oh she does she believes in ghosts and she doesn't think aliens exist I think that's kind of hypocritical to be so aware of that maybe that's a possibility we should in in that case yeah. if that then you what
1: allow in aliens if you're gonna if you're yeah I mean what kind of How big are the pores in this membrane?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's adorable. Um, But, you know, she can't watch haunted house movies or home invasion movies.
1: See, I can't watch either of those, but I don't believe in ghosts. Yeah. So, like, she believes in ghosts in, like, in what way? Like, she believes that something could be haunted or...
2: Yeah, haunted or, you know, the ability to... You know, affect us in the living plane of things
1: now you I can tell from everything, don't believe in this
2: you know what i I once saw a, a right after my grandmother died. I saw a cloud of that took the form of an angel uh in the most crazy detail that I'd ever seen in my entire life, and then I looked away and I looked back and it was gone. I still don't believe in an afterlife or any ghost. I will tell you factually that I saw that
1: do you and your wife ever like, debate this? No. You just accept that she believes this, and she just accepts that you don't believe this, and that's just a thing?
2: Yeah. That, isn't that what you do in a marriage? You accept I think so. Things. Yeah. I
1: think so. I mean, yeah. I think, I'm trying to think if there's anything that my husband and I, I like, luckily we are on the same page about that kind of stuff, I think. I'm yeah, to it's think not like any... it's a
2: wedge. It's not like it's like, it's like you know, she's a religious and I'm not, like, we're, right. neither of us are uh but it is a you know it's it's like it's a thing that just it's like it's like i was like really she's like she's like yeah don't worry about it i was like yeah I won't worry about it i don't care yeah you know, i'm more upset at the fact that she doesn't accept that my newfound love of coldplay is legit
1: she doesn't accept it. She doesn't like accept it. she thinks it. you have an ironic love of it or she doesn't accept Coldplay in your home. She
2: doesn't accept Coldplay. I just bought uh, Parachutes on vinyl. She's like, really? Come on. And then I started playing it and she started like singing along to the songs like an asshole. And I was like, fine, don't take it off. I'll listen to it when you're not home. Yeah.
1: Why? So, sorry, I'm being an asshole. I'm being an asshole.
2: With what? Why do I like Coldplay? Yeah.
1: Why are you suddenly into them?
2: Oh, I don't know. It turned out. It's like first I heard him. I was like, I don't care. Uh, then I, you know, they put out more songs. and I was like, eh, uh, whatever. They don't bug me. They seem like okay guys. They know the sh- the guys from Shaun the Dead. They were in Shaun the Dead, you know. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then you know, it didn't turn. It was like, you know, like it was like, What about Coldplay? I was like, I don't turn it off when it's on Coldplay or when it's on. A, you know, when it's on K Rock. I don't turn it off. And then it morphed into a love. And then it turned into like I was like I just I was like eh, tune in. Same with it's a fucking. I've been listening to uh, Dizzy Up the Girl by Google Dolls lately. I don't give a shit. It's fucking catchy tunes.
1: It's true. It's true. All right, Ken L says I feel that people, I feel people that are sober get more respect versus people. Excuse me, having trouble saying this. I feel people that are sober get more respect versus people that just never drank. Yes, yes, that's probably. very true. Yeah, because th- they overcame yeah. adversity. Yes. Well, also I think in the I think we tend to. Um, value experience over lack of experience, even though that's not necessarily the best thing, but that's just sort of how we're wired.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I, I thought to myself after a while, the reason I really took that drink at that party was just like, I'm straight edge and I don't want to do this stuff. And I didn't do it because it was a reaction to my parents and my family who got drunk and did drugs. That was what it was. It was reactionary. We all rebel. And that was my version of it was being, you know, straight
1: is that what your was your family? Yeah, my sm- yeah, I sm- yeah,
2: smoked pod, drank, and my dad did coke and stuff like that. So oh, it's like, wow. yeah, like, but it wasn't like bad. It was just I was, I was, I was like, they're dorks for doing that. <laughs> not me. Not this cool kid. And I uh, and so like I, I was straight. Edge. And also like finding like I was like I didn't want to do it. And then finding out about straight edge was just like you're like these guys. These guys are badass. Minor threat. Come on, give me a break. This is amazing. You know, it's like you just get so uh, relieved that there's something cool about not doing drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides, you know, Ted Nugent saying you know, he doesn't do anything, um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, it's a it was a thing where I was like, what am I not doing? What do I know? It was it was this yeah. kind of time of uh, self, you know, exploration. I was like. Why am I so adamant about this thing that I have no idea about? I know what it does to people, and it seems good, but what? Why? Why don't I? And I knew people that tried it and then didn't, didn't want to do it anymore. So I was like, "What? Why don't I try it?" And then it turns out I have an addictive alcoholic gene inside my body, and I haven't been able to stop ever since. <laughs> so, You know, that's that's how people are.
1: Right. It makes perfect sense. Um, so, did your parents have problems with substances, or they just enjoyed them a lot? No, my
2: dad did. There was a couple times where I was like, I think it was he would almost go to. You know, rehab or something like that. But I, I don't know. I was young, and it didn't really happen. The thing everyone always goes like, "What was that like? Was it crazy?" And I go, "No. It's a in in the end, uh, my dad did nothing but show us how much he loved us, um, and so did my mom and." You know that's that's what's important to a kid is you know someone's there for me and someone cares about me and they're not letting that shit get in the way of caring about me. Sure, every once in a while he would ask me my brother if we wanted either the TV to the t- the cable to stay on or the phone to stay on, and uh, <laughs> it's like there was those there was those moments, but you know it doesn't. But he was asking us; he wasn't making the decision on his own. He cared about what we thought.
1: And which did you choose?
2: The fucking TV. What do you give? I didn't have any friends.
1: Right. Wow. Do you have a memory of him being altered though? Memories of that? Or are you just, it's just something you know that he was doing?
2: I know that he was doing it. I don't know if I necessarily, um, it wasn't, there wasn't any other way. It's like, you know, it's like when people ask me, it's like, you grew up in Hawaii. What was that like? I was like, I don't know any other way. So that's how it was.
1: Alex Whetstone says, just me nice everyone. Nice transition,
2: Allison, from the. There was uh, no transition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I may mean, fucking go do a fucking dedication right into a fucking pop song. That's a. Uh, we just
1: heard that, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah him, right? Yeah. We just heard that on oh, uh, the Adam Cole show. You should
2: have said that Alex, right away instead of letting me hang there.
1: <laughs> it, it, well, it took me a second. Okay. Alex Whetstone says, just mirror everyone. I have to push unlock on my key fob an overwhelming number of times on the way to my car when I know one push will do. Um well the reason you don't I it, that's just you it's not me. The reason you don't do that is you're unlocking your car from far away. Someone mm-hmm. could just dash in and steal your car.
2: Exactly. Set up shop, I take mean, a shit. I mean probably
1: not actually if they don't have your key, but they could take a shit in your car. Yeah,
2: exactly. Also, if you're if you want to unlock your car and uh from farther away than you like, put the key underneath your uh jaw. Open up your mouth and it right. turns into a megaphone.
1: Right. Chris Loksamana of Thursday show fame and who's around here all the time taught me that. I never knew that. I never knew about the under your chin thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, I just found out about as uh, Matt Messer told me about that.
1: It's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah.
1: Edward and this is the last just me or everyone. Edward Messer says, don't know the difference between bathroom and restroom. Yeah, occasionally I'll be in mixed company and I'll feel some need to I'll be like I bathroom sounds crass, so I'll call it a restroom. But that's kind of ridiculous.
2: If I'm in a home where there's going to be a bath in the place where I have to take a piss, I'll say bathroom. If I'm in a restaurant or a public area where it's just going to be places to pee or poop, I'm going to say restroom.
1: Oh, I never realized that that's the difference.
2: That's what that's what I do. I don't know if it's proper, but that seems but that to be totally the case. that totally makes sense. Also, it gives you just a chance to just get away and get have a bit of rest, just to go and pee somewhere where you don't have to think about baths or people. Right. Yeah.
1: So so do you prefer a restroom to a bathroom?
2: You know, when I was working at the Arclight, which is a movie theater in Hollywood, I would use the uh, uh, men's, the the, the women's, um, it was in the dome, the Cinerama Dome. It was the women's handicap uh, restroom. It was a one room thing. So you walk in, it was just a toilet and the biggest fucking countertop. So I would uh, go in there. And, I do
1: love a good countertop. Yeah.
2: And I would just go and lay down on the countertop and take a nap in there. It was so nice and quiet. It was great. It was great. No one would ever use it.
1: What if there was like a woman in a wheelchair outside waiting?
2: No. Nah, I mean, during the day, uh, during the day, during the week at the Cinerama Dome, no one really went to any movies there. It was the best, it was the best place to be.
1: What did you do there?
2: Uh, you What's know, sold popcorn, t- sold tickets. Uh, I-, I eventually kind of like worked my way to being the guy who introduced the movies. You know, hey, thank you for coming to the Ar- the, the Arkley Hollywood. Today you're about to see uh, The Aviator, which is a movie when I was- that was there when I was there, uh, you know, starring, you know, who the fuck it is, blah, 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 you know, just all that stuff. Uh, and then I realized like it's like, oh, for my shift, that's all I have to do. I didn't want to do it because I think that's a fucking dumb thing to do before a movie is tell people what they're about to see. And if you there's any problem, time. yeah, yeah, that's what I hated. I would do no jokes. Uh, I would do no jokes until the, there was, you know, until the story once so like where I was. This thing where it was in front of the um, episode three of Star Wars, where I was just pissed off because all, all, all these fucking nerds ate all the food and like they were just mean and yelling at everybody because it wasn't at the Chinese theater like it always was. Uh-huh. And it's like, and they're all just like, and I walk on stage and they're all getting ready and they're all excited and I just hated them. And I was just like, all right, you fucking nerds, this is it. The last <laughs> one. What do you do now? What are you going to do with your life now that this is the last one? This is how you find out how Captain Picard becomes Dark Vader. Uh, you know, and then they all, no! You know, they <laughs> become like that Brian character." Like, it's just, you know, it's Anakin! Uh, Did you get in
1: trouble at all for that? You
2: know what? I, I didn't think any of the managers there because it was so hectic. And then I walked up and then I was like, uh, and it was a full house. It was like, you know, like 150 people. I walk and then I see a manager and he's like, he's like, Phew. Yeah, I'd fire you if it wasn't so true. I fucking hate these nerds, man. (laughs) These nerds suck. These nerds fucking suck. My God. Yeah.
1: I bet you wanted to eat your feelings after that.
2: Oh, yeah. But good thing I was able to get free uh, sausages, popcorn, caramel corn, and red vines.
1: If you weren't able to have that, I would have recommended something called Graze.com. dot com.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. <laughs>
1: it is really cool. Um, it, that was the so, best
2: transition yet, Allison. Well, I had no I idea. Tra- I caught it the other times.
1: I know. Is that a good transition if you catch it or if you don't catch it? Because maybe it was too seamless.
2: No, it was perfectly seamless. Uh, I, you know, uh, it's and it also because we were talking about eating, but get, get to the fucking. So out.
1: anyway, here's the thing. I love I. I I'm newly acquainted with Grays. I love Grays. They send you snacks conveniently delivered to your office or your home on a weekly or a semi-monthly basis. And it's this the coolest little it's almost like a tackle box or something it's a box that has all these different compartments each snack is one serving so it's not this thing where you get like a bag and you're like oh a bag of healthy snacks with six servings in them i will eat them all in one sitting no with graze it is just one serving of a delicious snack and you can choose between they have two different things you can choose between one of them is actually um they it's like all the Snacks are calorie limited, so no snack that you will receive will be more than 150 calories. That's the one that I just signed up for, but they also have a different one where they have stuff that um, there's like more. more. It's a little bit over 150 at times, and it looks delicious, and it is delicious because I sampled many of them, and they're all really good. There's uh, chili and honey almonds, whole grain banana shortbread dippers, caramel salt with caramel sauce it's all perfect portions you can indulge without the guilt uh and their in-house nutritionist nutritionist make sure every snack has a benefit for you whether it be essential vitamins and minerals or a source of protein um and then it's also this is I spent more time than you guys want to know today online doing this. So you can go online and they have pictures of all the snacks and all the details about the snacks and then you can rate them and you can hit like trash it or try it or love it or like it so they'll know whether to send you this or like whether to never send this to you. Again, um, it's a perfect grab and go snack before hitting the gym or for curing afternoon hunger pains. Uh, so you guys can get your first box free using the code bestfriend at com. That's graze dot com again go to graze.com, dot g r a z e dot com and enter the code best friend to get your first box free it's really delicious and it's also uh, it will excite your mind too because it's just like really cool combination of the things they have savory stuff they have sweet stuff they have stuff that's like more like substantial like on the order they have these they call them flapjacks it's so sort of like like soft granola bars and just all sorts of stuff so check it out it's your mouth watering.
2: Best friend.
1: Oh, thank you. Sorry,
2: I want to. I, I, I want to get it clean so you can pop that. You can pop that in later. I appreciate. it. Okay, Jenna. cool. Just really cool. Best friend. Oh, you're the best. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh, What are the assisted
0: snacks.
2: You can do all that. You can have me put. You can just throw that in. Go. No, I'm hungry. Snack. Best friend. All these things do you, have you anything can do. You
1: could do using the term Kalen's Corner.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I was too good. That's why I started getting excited. Kalen's corner? Kalen's corner. That's Kalen. Um, Kalen's corner.
1: That's good. All right, cool. Gary, is there anything else we need him to do while he's here?
2: Yeah, anything.
0: Uh no, I think the only That's the only one that we need.
2: All right. Job completed. I'm
0: trying to
1: think of anything involving Matt or Chris, or me, or Jenna. No, I think, I think we're good. See, so I do this show Monday and Thursday, yeah. and the Thursday show, is a group of us, and... You got uh, it real
2: quick. It's time for the Thursday show.
1: That is good. Yeah,
2: thank you. Thank you. you.
1: Uh, well, Jonah, <laughs> Jonah Ray, it's been delightful. Thank it's you very so nice. much. It, it, is been, yeah. it is true. It is true.
2: Alison Rosen is my new best friend.
1: Jonah Radio. <laughs>
2: <laughs> swish
1: all right so everyone should check out meltdown
2: yeah the meltdown with jonah and Kumel premiering uh wednesday night this wednesday night july 23rd on uh comedy central after at midnight which uh me Kumel, and emily will also be uh, appearing on we uh we also the episode the first episode is available on amazon itunes and the comedy central app which is actually very nice uh and also i am on the nerds podcast i uh I have uh, I have my own podcast called Jonah Radio. If you're in a band that uh, doesn't suck, email Radio at gmail.com, R-A-Y-D-I-O, and we play bands that uh, we like that send in their music, and a lot of bands have said that people have come to see them live and have bought their music because we've played them on the podcast. Jonah Radio is that um, I'm at Jonah Ray on Twitter. And uh, I also have a couple of comedy albums uh, available on all the uh, places you can get uh, digital media. Uh, one's called uh, it's a 10 inch record I put out a couple years ago called uh, hello, Mr. Magic Plain Person. Hello. And then uh, there's one from 2007, which I don't recommend, called uh, uh, um, This is Crazy Mixed Up Plumbing.
1: All right. I would recommend people go get those on Amazon. And if you're going to get them on Amazon, click through the banner on my website at alisonrosen.com. Do it. It doesn't cost you anything extra and it helps out the show. Thank you guys so much for all your support on Amazon. We have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. You can get that by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. We have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. The first one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. Excuse me. And the second one with Doug Benson and much of the aforementioned Thursday gang. These are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Follow Gary at Patrick Smith. You can email us A-R-I-Y-M-B-F at Allison. No, excuse me. Too many vowels and also some consonants coming out of my mouth. A yeah. R-I-Y-M-B-F at adamcarolla.com and uh follow Jonah, all the places he mentioned. Thank you so much. It was really it was really uh nice to meet you. Yeah, it was and very nice to meet you. Um and uh, thank you guys for listening. I love you. Goodbye.
2: Goodbye.
0: Hey, do you know about the Allison Rose show? Show. and roads and shows.
1: Thanks for listening to the show, everyone. Just as a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Nono. To get your Nono and take advantage of the exclusive offer for my listeners, go to NonoBestFriend.com or call 800-508-4815. That's NonoBestFriend.com or call 800-508-4815. Now that the show's over, don't forget to check out Blue Apron. Blue Apron sends gourmet recipes and all the fresh ingredients that you need to make them right to your door. Go to BlueApron.com and see what's on the menu this week. To get your first two meals free, make sure you Go to BlueApron.com slash Allison. That's BlueApron.com slash Allison.